Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Star Trek. No, nope, I did it again. Welcome to the Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It sounds like I'm doing it on purpose. I'm really I think not. We're fucking not going to do it again. I'm not, I'm not doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's one of those again, everybody. It's Star Trek again. Um, Week 56. Yeah. It seems like a lot until you remember how many there are going to eventually be. Yeah, I'll just, you know, just think of a linebacker. He might be number 56. That's the number it is to this week. There you go. Junior Seau. It's the only linebacker I could think of. I think he was 55. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah, hey, we did another one. Again, reverse order How, how based on how good they or bad they did last week, whatever. The worst yeah, first. Yeah, that's right. Uh, last week was a rare, at least in this era, loss for Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So this week we watched Past Tense Part 1. Cisco and team are headed back to Earth for a symposium, question mark, about the situation with the Dominion, question mark? Yep. Uh, so, by the way, it's a great start because, hey, something's up with the Dominion. Let's take the entire senior staff of the station and the warship that's there to protect them and have them come all the way back to Earth and explain it. Why don't they make them take a runabout? Can't they just keep Defiant there? Why don't they just use Cisco video conferencing equipment? <laughs> Cisco should use Cisco video conferencing. Why can't Cisco take this one via Zoom? Why does he have to go there in person? Yeah, why don't they have a whole fleet of ships out there? Why isn't Admiral Nechev there? Why? Why? I'm only yeah. one line into this. Yeah, it's rough. <clears throat> Quark contacts them on an emergency channel to remind them the Nagus helped them in their attempt to negotiate with the Dominion and to mention it to Starfleet and also to help him get the Nagus's nephew out of jail. And also because he's the only one not on the ship. It's like literally, spoiler alert, this will not enter into the episode in any way. Yeah, I can't imagine it will even enter into part two. So like, it was just a little league. It was like, hey, Armin Shimmerman's getting paid for this. Like, Jake should have walked past in the background <laughs> holding hands with Keiko or something. Just like, <laughs> let's just get them all in. We ain't seen Nog in a grip, so he don't have to be there, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Garrick's wild eyes just in the background somewhere. Yeah, just like peeking over Quark's shoulder. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> then O'Brien detects some kind of technical problem during transport, and whoops, Cisco and Bashir didn't, they didn't end up on the Earth, not in the right time. They they um, wake up on the streets of San Francisco circa 2024. Dax is there too. Credits. Back in present defiant times, O'Brien explains a lot of technobabble reasons why they might have disappeared instead of appearing on Earth as expected. Meanwhile, back in the past, Sisko and Bashir have been taken to a sanctuary district where all the undesirables are hoarded in the year 2024. Yep. Dax is hanging out with the weirdo who found her... He took her back to his office because he wants to nail her, obviously. Yeah. 
He's real interested in her tattoos. Yeah, she uses his account to order some ID and shit, and then they talk about Maori tattoos that you get in Japan for some reason. But basically, she's doing okay lying her way through this one. Um, back to Cisco and Bashir being treated like shit at the Sanctuary Center. Cisco notices the date on the wall and realizes they are crazy close to the date of a famous riot, one of the most violent civil disturbances in American history, which took place in their exact Sanctuary District. The Bell Riots, named after Gabriel Bell. <clears throat> yep. Anyway, of a course... Real, a real hero, by the way. He is. He's heroic. And they can't do anything to stop the riots or warn anybody because of uh, fucking interference uh, laws. Temporal interference issues. So instead, they talk to a social worker about, like, getting a job. Um, she's a nice lady, so you know she'll be in trouble later in the episode. But she, <laughs> she can't help them. Um... They do a lot of walk-in talks about history and exposition and about how these people couldn't help how shitty they made their society. They eventually trade their dumb uniforms for access to a building in an attempt to surveil the district and find a way out. Yeah, uh, by the way, unclear what those uh, stoop weirdos want with the uniforms. Yes, Marjan and I had lean, this conversation. just leans in and whispers to the dude, and he's like, hey, maybe there is something we can trade. Smash cut to these guys wearing dirty clothes, and their uniforms are gone, and it's like, I mean... I like to imagine they're putting on a community theater project. I guess And they so. thought they needed some good colors. Maybe they're like, if we paint the shoulders black, these could be real good ninja outfits for <laughs> ninjaing around in. That's right. Put some black tape over the, the, the tops of them. Uh, they help a guy like, with Honestly, his... it would make way more sense to me if they had traded their boots and they were just wearing their same uniforms but with like grubby earth shoes. Yeah, it doesn't they don't explain it. A lot doesn't get explained because they have to spend so much time on exposition. Yeah. Uh they help a guy with his injured son. They also start a big brawl in the street for not uh, I'm gonna stop you right there. They do not. What? They don't help that guy with his injured son. I mean Bashir just says, Oh, he's gonna be fine. That's helping him because uh, he's get freaking some out. alcohol and rub it on his wounds. And that guy trusts nothing. them. That guy trusts them to stay there with him while he runs off to find alcohol and rags and shit. And it's, it is nothing. I don't think he's a what, good dad. What Bashir does. Bashir just goes, ah, he's fine. Fuck it. Um, and then they start a brawl in the street for non-interference reasons, obviously. <laughs> and the real Gabriel Bell, the real in-the-flesh Gabe Bell, G-Bell, tries to save them, but is stabbed to death. Whoops. Yep, they did it. They did the thing they weren't supposed to do. I guess somebody's gonna have to step up to the fucking streets or whatever the expression is. That There were probably no consequences for this, though, right? That dance enthusiast is Ben Sisko. He's gonna see. step up to the streets. Uh, he works with that guy whose son they didn't help earlier. And they like, I guess they're gonna organize some kind of rally. But they don't have a chance to do that because a big fight breaks out between the security personnel and some kid rock fucking lookalike. And now, now did you get this? I, I'm going to have to stop you here because I, mm, it's mm, not in mm. my quick hitters or anything. Did you get the impression that the riot was because uh, Dax's uh, pretty woman, Richard Gear guy, <laughs> sent those guards in to find Cisco and Bashir? I could not tell. Okay, because I thought that might have been what it was. I'll get to that part. I'm doing. I kind of broke this out into different. Oh, you kind of broke it up into A B. Not like all the C. way, but a little bit. Um. Anyway, a big fight breaks out between uh, Kid Rock and his gang and the police, and then <laughs> the guy is like Kid Rock. Cisco joins except in with, except he doesn't have the very bad facial hair that Kid Rock has. <laughs> 
Cisco joins in because with Bell dead, now it's his job to save the hostages, which is what history recorded Bell did. And he's like, the name's Bell. Gabriel Bell. Junior. Gabriel Bell's his uncle. That's what I assume. Gabriel Bell was his uncle. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Dax has been trying to find her, com- or trying to find them with her communicator and asking around at hospitals to see where her friends are, but nothing yet. Uh, at least her dates with this dude are going well, though. At one of his fancy parties, a real dandy of an asshole person says she's lucky that after she was mugged, she wasn't caught in the streets without ID because she would have been taken to a sanctuary district. She gets yeah. f- like a big idea face and figures out that's where her friends must have ended up. So yeah, dude, dude, uh, she gets dude to go looking in there to see if they can track him down. <clears throat> this dude is burning a lot of capital, by the way, and I... I bet he's going to be pretty disappointed when she fucks off back to the future. Uh, I don't think you got an idea of how rich this guy was. Did you see his corduroy suit? Yeah, I mean... Do you know that he isn't responsible for Channel 90? He invented a new kind of necktie that everyone seems <laughs> to wear, as far as I can tell, so he does seem pretty rich. Bro, you know about this guy, The Net, Channel 90. You understand what's happening. How rich can this dude be? He has the same computer as the officer at the future DMV. <laughs> the big, fucking huge, desk-sized panel. It's identical. It's got the same credit card reader. It's got the same cordless phone <laughs> built into it. It's the same. He, he has the same it model. Seems That's like all I'm saying. Whoever made that thing should be the rich and famous. And person. it's not like a rich guy now probably just has a MacBook Pro yeah. or a MacBook Air or whatever. And so and but but like that's not what they got at the DMV. Yeah. They're still running DOS down there. <laughs> that's so. right. Um. Uh, anyway, dude confirms that uh, that that is exactly where they went. So they'll have to go in looking for him or whatever. Uh, O'Brien, back on uh, Defiant, finds a way to make uh, a limited number of attempts to find the crew who have become unstuck in time. Zathra style? Is that what's happening? Yeah. He's identified a dozen places they could be, but they've only got enough magic dust to check (laughs) five or six of them. I love that they bother to come up with this story when it's all rendered meaningless in a second because it's like, uh, they're about to make an attempt, but I guess history only recorded that Gabriel Bell died and none of the things that Cisco did. You know, the things that Cisco is definitely going to do. Uh, right. They're and, in a weird... It is very weird because it... Like, how, A, how does this work? They're yeah. in the future, so everything Cisco did back then already should happened. have already been did. <laughs> but, should already had done been did. But they record that they're... They, look, they scan their little scanners around and there's no... Starfleet or Federation or nothing, the closest signal they can find is a dang old Romulan signal out by Alpha right. Centauri. Yeah, somehow in real time. As, uh, I mean... Yeah. Sci-fi. Look, it's, <clears throat> it obviously is not uh, deterministic, right? Like, it's not like Cisco was fated to do that stuff, because until he makes the decision, they're mm-hmm. fucking in empty future. Yep. <clears throat> Don't understand that. Which, by the I... way, does get them out of an argument with an admiral, and that admiral was going to be on the phone with Major Kira from Bajor. Yeah, that's not a good. And uh, Chief of Operations Miles <laughs> O'Brien. How were they planning to win this discussion? <laughs> yeah, you think. How o- were they planning to get an admiral on the phone? You know, O'Brien made like nine panicked calls to Enterprise, which went unanswered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Riker, I mean, he knows why. <laughs> he knows why. <laughs> He probably does think he knows why now. It probably has stuck in his head that Real Riker probably doesn't like him for some reason. Well, if his transporter duplicate doesn't like me. Anyway, goddamn, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's a it's a fucking two-parter, and the first part was mostly exposition. So, what was yeah. it? 
so it's difficult because nothing's resolved, but the the takeaway that I got from this one is this. Caring about others is hard work, but without it, society collapses. Oh, okay. They're doing a big Star Trek here. Yes. Like, we have a home. It's the 90s, and there's a homeless problem. It's the 2020s. And, oh, sorry. No, I know I'm, what you're saying. The, but, but and, and the mayor of Los Angeles is talking about moving all of the homeless into one special area that's mm. going to be great for the homeless. <laughs> and the writers are like, well, hang on. This seems dumb and bad, and maybe we should write about it, and we'll just put it a little bit in the future to just be like, this is coming. Yeah. Hey, it's coming. And the idea, Cisco, Cisco says that, look, right now they've just given up, but eventually everyone's going to come to their senses and realize how horrible this is, and that's how we become the Federation. And we'll, let's not talk about how we have to go through World War Three to get there, because obviously there's some other stuff coming. Yeah. But, hey, we're going to get this part worked out. Yeah, I agree. They actually went for something. So, so, what, what, so I gave it... I gave it eight points. You don't have to be hesitant because I gave it nine points. Okay, good. <laughs> They're obviously going for something here. Yeah. Which is the entire point of having this category. They are taking a swing. What I had was, <clears throat> I guess, slightly slightly more specific. That The elites of society are so far out of touch with the lower classes that we are in danger of straight ghettoizing the great American cities. So let's just talk about this. It's gotten so much worse, right? Yes. Yes, it has. The other thing is they're extremely right. They were very much correct. And yes. it's it, like San Francisco doesn't have sanctuary districts now, but the homeless problem is 500% worse than it was in the 90s. Yep. And good God, it's like every other block. Like you'll go down one block, quiet, and no one's there. And then you hit the next block and it's just fucking 40 homeless people. And, and you're like, all got huh. tents, And it's like, oh, this all seems pretty permanent. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just like, well... I mean, if we want to, if we want to ha- have four million dollar houses here, what are you going to do? Yep, the Bay Area in particular is a great example of. Yeah, they set this one in San Francisco because that's where the Federation is. Yeah, uh, but like they didn't see all the tech shit going on. But they fucking nailed it, and mm-hmm. they nailed it that the rich dude is some kind of tech weirdo. Now they yeah, got dude. all of the tech. Channel ninety. <laughs> The internet has fucking channels, dog. They're another <laughs> at another point, they go to channel 128 or something, and it's like it's not TV. The internet's not TV. They didn't know. And in 1995, you should have known that. But still, <clears throat> they didn't know any better. Uh, anyway, so we were both very high on the on them taking a swing on this. Yeah, they're doing a thing. It's yeah. pretty clear that they're doing a thing. Ben, uh, on the other hand, gave him four. Oh, all right. Uh, ben, with an annotation, by the way, at the top of this, that this episode is not as bad as it really should have been. I didn't enjoy watching it, so let's start right there. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we are completely flipped on this. I but, gave it a lot uh, of points on take and did not enjoy the episode. Yeah, but I uh, but I agree that I expected even worse. Oh, for sure. Than in terms of in terms both of score, uh, and I mean, I obviously gave it an 8, so there's a, there's a low level on how bad I could have scored this episode. Uh, and in terms of, of watching it, I thought it was going to be even much, much harder to get through. Yeah. My honestly, well, don't worry. There's another, there's another half. Watching, was watching Dax pal around with this rich dude. Ugh. Uh, he only gave it four for take though. He says when pushed to desperation, what will people do? Yeah. The question is, says they touch on philosophy, but they mostly use it to sort of ramp up the stakes of this being caught in the past. I think, uh, like you and I both think they were taking a swing. Yeah. How do you think they did? 
I gave it a four. Here's where I land on this. And again, I will start this by saying, of all of the two-parters we've done, this felt the hardest to score as an episode. Again, mm-hmm. I really felt like all they were doing was setting up, and not was, a lot it, happened. It definitely was the most committed to, there's going to be a part two. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Cisco and Bashir spend so much time uh, doing walk-and-talk exposition scenes that it's not a surprise they needed another episode to actually do the damn thing. There's so little character work. Uh, Bashir, the character work seems to be, and we'll get to it later, but Bashir being upset at society. That, right, that Bashir's naive. He is of the Federation, and he's his role is to be... What's wrong with in, these people? ...into this and say, how could you do that? How could you be such barbarians, you who's watching this? <laughs> Cisco's entire role was just to tell the exposition, as all he does yep. the whole episode. And Dax just looks for her friends with a mild look of concern on her face. So, like, nothing's happening. Yeah, so by the way, uh, let, let's talk about Cisco's list of known hobbies. Uh, clocks? We have, of course, African masks. Oh, yeah, don't forget clocks, though. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the Now a 20th century history is added to it. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's been a, a 21st century, I guess, has been a hobby of his. He knows it, so specifically uh, he knows all the dates and everything. He's on it. Cooking, he's one step. He's one step ahead of Riker, but he doesn't seem to know what a souffle is. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, clocks. You have to assume he's big into clocks after that thing. I happened. mean, if he wasn't before, then he definitely is now. Yeah, uh, probably it was just innate inside him, and that thing brought it out. That's what they say at the end of every episode where people act funny. So I would yeah. believe that. Um, uh, yeah. So you're right that all of the characterization work is Bashir going. What's go- how could this have been? Yeah, he's Dark Ages McCoy from my Star Trek mobile game, basically. <laughs> Just there in his scrubs. I remember the scene. He, the McCoy doesn't say it in the game. But he, there's not a scene later. He doesn't say it in the game. He doesn't. Where there's an old woman on a gurney. <laughs> Doctor gave me a pill and a new kidney. Grew a new kidney. Doctor gave me a pill. I grew a new kidney. Movie's so good. That's such a good goddamn movie. But that's why I'm so mad when I look at him in the game and that scene's not <laughs> happening. It's just a still picture, still drawing of him in scrubs. Oh. But I know what happened. He went. My God, man! Drilling a hole in his head isn't the answer. Oh, here, take eat this Neko wafer. <laughs> I carry one Grow your kidney and I carry these around. In case anyone needs a kidney. Uh... I took this with me when we left the ship in case Chekhov needed a new kidney. <laughs> you never know. That's, you don't. Um, everything that happens on Defiant is pointless or stupid. Especially what happens when Gabriel Bell dies. Yes. Uh, also, as always, these guys are terrible at non-interference. Instead of yeah, just going and definitely. hiding somewhere and waiting, they just, like, interact with every single person. Um, uh, some of this is not their fault, but, like, their communicators are still somewhere in San Francisco, by the way. Yeah. Who knows who got who, them? Who, someone stole their communicators and their rank pips, and I'm guessing they're not going to get a lot of money for either of those things. <laughs> no. Because I've seen them up close now that there's HD, and those communicators don't look like jewelry. No, they look just like the plastic ones we had as kids. Yeah, I got a real good look at Wesley Crusher's in uh, in his episode this week, and uh, it looks very cheaply made. Um, Let me say this. It's actually something that Dax is treated hella good in this episode. She's found by a, a pleasant rich man who wants to bone her, and Sisko and Bashir are thrown into the ghetto right away. And I'm giving them credit for not even talking about it. it. By the way, it's even half intentional. 
Oh, is it? Okay, so I tried yeah, to open up Memory like Alpha. In the, it's like not in the script, but it's in the direction or something like that. Like someone, or at least someone was very aware of it. Because I, I tried to open Memory Alpha and the fans <laughs> and started going got AIDS so fast on my computer that a ghost came out and punched me in the <laughs> dick. So I couldn't see anything about what happened behind the scenes. But I noticed, and Marjan noticed, like, immediately. No, no, you're right. But Dax the White Alien was having a jolly old time, and Bashir and Sisko, in varying levels of brownness, were thrown into the ghetto and treated like crap. And if you watch the characters who are in the ghetto, the, uh, the white ones are coded as mentally ill. Yeah. Like, that's how they got in there. Ah, they're not the gimmies, they're the... Dims. Dims. I try not to use the words, but it's good. Convenient it's shorthand. Racially insensitive. Um So I'm giving them credit for doing that, even though they didn't even brag about it. They didn't even make fifty people talk about it in the episode. Um oh, well, when we get down to uh quick hitters, I do have a question about race as it plays into this. Uh let's see. Uh yeah, and then more than any two-parter that we've done so far, this felt the most difficult to score. So it was a four for me. It was a lot of nothing, basically. Well, we're in lockstep. I also gave it a four. Um, I have some thoughts. This is an episode about social forces mm. and and societal changes, but we know in the end, Cisco's going to have to do just exactly the correct individual actions or Starfleet will cease to exist, right? Yeah, he's got to play so, like a. Uh, it's going to be a real. What's the name of that game that you used to play with with Shepard? Mass and Effect. He's going to be a real Mass Effect situation where he's got to use the right dialogue options. Yeah, Cisco's not in seven. No. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, all right. Um, no, but no, you're exactly. So, I mean, this is my entire point. Like, we're going to do a big episode about society, but if this one person doesn't do the exact right thing, yeah. Of the entire future unravels, right? Yeah, if he doesn't make that perfect Enterprise C sacrifice. Exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. Um. And there's no good. I mean, if the people were were basically ready to be done with the sanctuary cities, and all it took was for three police officers not to be killed during a riot. Yeah. That guy not that not happening is going to undo all of Earth's future. Yeah, it's kind of like what uh, he's the great twentieth century historian. Which part of this does he does he subscribe to? Is he does he just believe in these big events, or does he believe in uh, subtle details about society? Like, is this a societal problem, or is it just the one dude went in there and was a real boss, and society changed the next day? Yeah, I have some other uh, problems too. Cisco and Bashir have been living out on the frontier on raggedy ass Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And like in Bajoran camps and on Cardassia and all kinds of shit for three years. But they can't handle themselves around some street weirdos and they just get in fights immediately. Yes. Like, have they never been in a gross situation before? Because it seems like of any start, like, I I kind of believe that Jordy LaForge has never been in a gross situation. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Or Wesley Crusher for sure. Yeah, right. But like, but Cisco? Out at Deep Space Nine? Yeah, they do handle it like a bunch of sissies, for sure. They do a real bad job there. Like, oh, this food's not good. Relax. And then, of course, uh, seeing the real-time effects of them meddling in the past makes no sense. It's very, very stupid. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's like, uh, like well, the same thing sort of happened in Voyager. In their time travel to deal with a white billionaire episode. Oh, God, yes. Where they they didn't seem to be affected by anything that happened there, but like it when you do see it, it's it turns out it's even stupider. Like you think about it for one second, and you're like, "Well, wait, why?" Yeah. Unless they have to do something too to change it, I don't know. Well, Whatever. You, they're still around and they're ready to go on their field trip, so you know they're gonna do something next week. Oh, and by the way, uh, ah, fucking, I'll leave it for quick hitters. <laughs> uh, on the whole, this was just this episode was very fraught. Yeah, like it was just a, an emotional high the whole episode, and it. But when you think about it logically, it, a lot of stuff is busted so it's a four and ben gave it a seven so we're kind of flipped on take and execution um he says i guess they didn't want to pay wallace sean for a cameo so they just had quark call to talk well, to talk let's about not act, Negus. let's not act like that negus thing was anything yeah uh let's see ba 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 they're doing a Back to the Future with the timeline, changing around the Defiant. Oh, maybe that's what they were doing, just a Back to the Future. Um, he doesn't love the techno babble, but at least they addressed the timeline bubble thing around the Defiant. Uh, a little obvious in the setup, but it was a good way to tense up the situation at the end with Cisco posing as Bell. So, he, he liked the execution on this. What do you think about the world building? Uh... Well, so first of all, they are telling us something about our immediate future. It's coming up. And about how we get from here to being the Federation. So, like, obviously, I couldn't give them a super low score for this. Sure. San Francisco is going to collapse even faster than it seems like. Yeah. Like, it's going to go to hell real soon. <laughs> yeah, we're almost there. Uh, temporal energy and chroniton particles... Uh, Venus is being trans is being terraformed in the future. Oh, We're okay. working on that. Uh, then all the bell riots. Uh, somehow, even an episode written in 1995, nobody thought about cell phones. Yeah, I guess they thought all the people walking around with those big chunky ones that was a fad that was going to go away or something. Yeah, I think they thought this will never catch because we're definitely going to have a uh, cordless handset built into our 15-inch CRT computer. <laughs> I mean, I probably thought the same thing, but I was 10. What did I know? Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Like, you're just taking a fucking shot. What does a future computer look like? But it has to be recognizable as a computer. And we can't get him, we can't get him too close to the pad that Picard and Cisco have, even <laughs> though it turns out they, they could have. There you go. Uh, I gave it five for world building. Okay. For filling in gaps and, uh, frankly for something that is 24 years old like this episode is 24 years old uh they picked up on a problem that was real it's not like this is an episode about the hole in the ozone layer and it's just like oh whoops we just stopped using that one refrigerant and <laughs> we kind of don't talk about that anymore but, yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i uh i have it as a four um let's see uh, Dax implies the Trill Oceans are purple, and Kira implies the seas on Bajor are green. Um, rule of Acquisition 111, treat people in your debt like family, exploit them. Rule of Acquisition, I think he said 217, you can't free a fish from water, all from this conversation that didn't matter. 
Aldebaran 3, Proxima Maintenance Yards, Gabriel Bell Riots, A Real Enterprise C-Style Sacrifice. I know they just make these up whenever they want to. How's that second one a rule of acquisition? Mm, like, well, how is that going to help you acquire anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think all of them are necessarily helpful in that way. I think they might have they've gone off on a tangent by the later rules of acquisition. <laughs> yeah, one of them is uh is life, like one of them's like uh does life like imitate front art? To back and you're like, "Okay. <laughs> it's good advice, Thank but like you. What are we doing? Uh the pan-Caribbean government, neo-trotskyists. Uh, Dax wears some fucking feathers in her hair, so maybe that's fashion. Like you said, terraforming Venus. But obviously the main part is all the Gabriel Bell riot stuff. What's going on with society. So it was a four for me. There was more than the standard three. I didn't quite remember what this episode was going to be. So when I saw the thumbnail, which is Dax, I was like, are they going to the fucking 1800s again? (laughs) Because she's got her hair up and she's wearing kind of a pinstriped jacket. And it's like... She does kind of look... she gonna she gonna pal around with Mark Twain? It's gonna turn out he knew everybody. She looks like one of those actors who lives at Mrs. Carmichael's house or whatever. Exactly. She's gonna get down there, and Mark Twain's gonna be like, "Well, I was talking to Captain Janeway and Q the other day," <laughs> and it's like, "Oh God, enough! Let TNG just let them die. They did now." Um. Yeah. So four for me. And uh, Ben is a four also. He says there aren't even rape gangs. It doesn't seem that bad. And he does invoke Warsaw, so... Yeah. Well, it'd be crazy not to. That's where Tashiara's sister was from. Warsaw. (laughs) Um, And he's a six in characterization. Boom. He says uh, Dax is the most on the ball when they drop in there. Yes. Bashir can't help but get in trouble. Uh, He says it's a bit more aggressive than we normally see Cisco, but he seems in character. Um, where are you? Not quite as rosy. Uh, let's see. Dax is decent at lying about her shit. Again, Bashir's main personality trait in this episode is annoyed by these primitive turds. Uh, Bashir also believes in monolithic races who all act alike, just like everybody else in Star Trek and Star Wars and everywhere in sci-fi. Yep. Sis- Cisco's primary personality trait in this episode is knows history and how to explain it to Bashir. <laughs> he kind of, yeah. Nobody was bad, but like no work was done at all. For me, it was a three. Uh, I had it at a four. Cisco gets to moralize. He also is, he's keeping Bashir in check here, and that's good. Bashir's shell shocked. I thought Dax was a real cipher in this one, though. Yeah. Like, she she gloms on to this guy. She she got lucky, because first of all, she materialized an extra eight feet down, and that was enough for her not to get robbed. I always wonder how these things happen, and they never explain them because they don't know how to explain them. But they don't just appear perfectly on the ground, right? Like, how would it do? How would it know to do that? Did she, like, fall down those stairs? <laughs> like, I mean... I don't know, is that fucking BART station still there in the future and think she got mad lucky? I'm just very confused by it. I mean, they never... There's no point there's in no getting There's no way that it. O'Brien would have picked a spot to beam them down where two of them were on one <laughs> level and one of them was down a flight of stairs, right? right? So, presumably, she fell about ten feet and she's got a big bruise on her butt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I have it at a four. Okay. I thought Cisco was good. I thought Bashir was understandable. And, uh, but I, I just didn't get, like, is Dax sharp or is she slow? Because it takes her so long to figure out that they might be in the fucking sanctuary. Yeah, that, again, that, that real dandy had to tell her that they exist. Like, she was, she was definitely smart enough to wrangle up some new ID. And they don't tell us how. She's just like, oh, I got some new ID. It's like, wait. And didn't... there's no scene of her doing a hello computer on that guy's old, uh, <laughs> thing or whatever like she's a couple hundred years old maybe she used an old computer before but like yeah i mean she was born in 2018 right so oh yeah Dax yeah that's, that's a that's a good point this computer might be like nostalgic for her like an apple two is for me <laughs> that's right i mean she wasn't on earth but who knows it was extra nostalgic because <laughs> of her great uh, time on earth in the 21st century <clears throat> um yeah i give it a four that it doesn't need to go in any deeper into that all right, um, quick quick ones. You got some quick ones? Yeah, this is like uh, San Francisco, but worse, right? Where's all the shit on the streets? Yeah, it was, looked very clean, like a like a back was, lot at Paramount. <laughs> honestly, even inside the Sanctuary District looked cleaner than the average San Francisco street. I'm just saying, there's literal shit on all the streets in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh. This computer had, like, an ATM pin pad and a magnetic card reader and a built-in cordless phone. Mm. Yeah, dude, it's a whole like, terminal. They understood that we were going to do everything with our computers in the future, but they really <laughs> did not understand how. No. They're like, so I guess they'll just keep getting bigger because you got to put all this stuff in it. Yeah, probably... I'll probably have dental tools because you won't go to the dentist. You'll do it and right. Just have an arm that comes out and does dentists. <laughs> mm. Uh, Bell. Bell gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bashir gets to him. Uh, three seconds after he gets stabbed, yeah. does CPR for eight seconds, and he's like, "Nah, he's fucking gone." But then later, he's like, "If if I'd gotten him to a hospital, maybe I could have saved him." Uh, in the one second, like. <laughs> Yeah, this guy gone. died the quickest of any person who's ever been stabbed. Ah, what about that Cardassian that got stabbed? Yeah, that guy died real quick. When Kira and very, had and her also seat. very close to Bashir's actual sick bay. <laughs> yes. That guy died in like under a second. Yeah, this is a good point. The knife was still coming out of that guy when she started giving her spiel. Like I'm not a stabbing expert, but it doesn't it doesn't happen that quickly. Yeah. Or else that guy who got the hockey skate in the throat would have oh, died. Yeah. I mean... He got it worse than anybody. Yeah, that guy got it... That's as bad as you can get it, basically. He and shooting uh, a blood cannon out of his neck. He had time for that doctor to shuffle on over in the ice, so... <laughs> that's still a horrifying video. Uh, pretty good response from the guards to one dude getting stabbed. They, like, uh... They mobilize helicopters, they chase people around, a bunch of guards come in. So, like, are these sanctuary guards on the ball or not? It's very unclear. Even the lady says to avoid them because they're up. No, they're know. in a bad mood. She yeah. sets up that they're in a bad mood, which seems like it's going to be part of the cause for the riot. But since we never see how the riot starts, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but like Gabriel Bell gets stabbed and they're like, fucking beat it. The guards are definitely going to come make some arrests because a dude got stabbed inside Sanctuary District A. Yeah. As if true. they know who's even in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does seem inconsistent. I'm just saying, it seems like a much better police response inside the Sanctuary District than in real life. That's all. 
for sure. Kira is just going to beam down to look for these guys with her crinkle nose. Yeah. Spock would have put a watch cap on at least. <laughs> yeah, maybe she should wear some shades or something. I don't know. Something. I don't like... know. I don't know what it would be. Maybe uh... a Bashir's not there, so there's probably no one who can do plastic surgery on her. Yeah, why does she I'm have sure to go? I'm sure this was going to be a thing where it's like, ah, uh, Nana Visitor's going to get to not have to wear the nose for this episode. I bet she's going to enjoy that. Nah. Yeah, it's really weird that they're just going to... Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. God, that's dumb. And I was it's like, oh, in the future, no one even notices that she has that. Nah, you know that ain't it. These guys are racist and they love to give people plastic surgery. What would have been good is if she'd gotten all dressed up and prepared and walked to the bridge and then they went, what? You're not going. You can't go down there. Are you, are you fucking serious? And then she just went, oh, that would have been good. But <laughs> that would have been good. They didn't do that. Uh, so on the subject of race. Okay. Uh, one thing that I, I don't think either of us have said so far is that Gabriel Bell was black. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he's black. And then there's a question of like, <clears throat> is that any uh, factor at all in Cisco's decision to become Gabriel Bell? Does he even notice like, if Gabriel Bell had been, like, a skinny, short, little white dude, would Cisco still have been at the end? The name's Bell. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, All or... breathy. Gabriel Bell. That's right. You gotta do a lot of breath acting if you're Avery Brooks. Yeah. Uh, like, it's interesting to think about, would it have still played out the same? Would he have been like, well, I, Bashir can't do it. I'm the only one who knows what happened. <laughs> that, and that's the truth. And I, and by the way, this is an episode where I have to put things right that once went wrong. Oh, a Janeway episode. Yeah, or a Quantum Leap or whatever. Sure. Um, like, it would have been interesting if he did, if it didn't even occur to him. And he's like, of course I'm Gabriel Bell now. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows that I'm not this uh, five foot six little white man? But you're right. They don't bring it up at all. It's not talked about at all. And so it's one of the, I mean, it's, I'm not as mad at it as I am at, uh, of course, Tuvok's wife is black. <laughs> <laughs> one of those things where it happens, you just go, yeah, okay, obviously. Okay, I Great. get it. <laughs> Super. <laughs> um, he was, does, does he was the first black Vulcan we'd ever seen. <laughs> His wife was the second. Yeah, it's so wild. It's like... I mean, why wouldn't Vulcans have different skin colors? Humans got all kinds of different skin color. And you go, okay, all right, I'm with all you. Right, cool. And all then, right. Hey, we got to get Tuvok's wife. What do you... So she's going to be black, right? Black chick? For sure. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely get a black chick. Fuck. <laughs> I gave best actor to Cisco and worst actor to Dax. There weren't that many other people in it, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, worst actor to Dax always feels safe. Um, I think that guy, that rich guy, asked Dax if she was bone jacked. Uh, he definitely, he's definitely said you might get jacked. Is this shared? Is I, this a shared universe? And I also went right to free Jack. This is a shared universe with free Jack. I mean, she's walking around. She would be a free Jack if this is what happened. To her. <laughs> That's right. Um, those computers are giant, and you said a lot of things about them, but you didn't mention they have a stylus. Oh, no, I didn't. And it's very weird. And no one looks natural using it. <laughs> no, they're like, why would I do this? This doesn't make any they're sense. Like, like one person is used, trying to use it with their left hand. It doesn't <laughs> even, like, no one could even say to them, it's like a pen, but you just write on the screen. They're they using like, it with their left hand so they can hunt and peck with the right hand. 
uh, what do I, how do I, yeah. No one suppose, looks like they understand how to use that stylus. Do you suppose any of the actors on Deep Space Nine knew how to type? Well, this is a good question. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I feel well, like we've got a lot so of hunters and peckers. Eventually, they will have a woman on to play Quark's mom. Okay. And she probably had to take typing classes in high school. Yeah, right. That's a good point. That's all I'm saying. Um, like, Rashawn Uxbridge probably knew how to type because when she was in school, everyone assumed she would be a secretary. That's right. That's a good point. All right. You got it. Cisco thinks it's totally appropriate to say things out in the open like, it's just American slang. Like, right in front of people. Like, they oh, won't Don, wonder I, again, where the hell he's from if he's not from America? Not right in front of people. Right in front of the two cops who are taking them in. <laughs> yeah, it's just American Cisco tells, slang. Cisco tells Bashir the whole history of sanctuary districts while uh, the two cops are two steps <laughs> behind them with shotguns. <laughs> it's just American slang. Like, they, like, no one would go, wait, where are you from? What do you mean American slang? What does that mean? What are we talking about? Um, I do like Cisco and Bashir interviewing with this lady in tandem, like in Step Brothers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they both are interviewing. Well, the cops probably figured out that Cisco was Bashir's caretaker in some way. <laughs> that he really is a dim. Cisco's I mean, a, Cisco's a gimme, but Bashir's a dim. Something like that. Uh, I hated that corduroy suit so much that Dex's new boyfriend was wearing. Um. I wish this. I mean, all all of the clothes like are swinging a miss. Yeah, they didn't get twenty. They basically right. they get the suits halfway to Babylon Five is what they do. But not the there's not like, all the way. There will still be lapels, but there won't be collars, and it's just like ugh. That's hideous. <laughs> they won't wear a tie, but they'll wear something that's like a tie. Uh, I already mentioned this Kid Rock thing, but I wish Cisco had said to the guy, "No, Kid Rock, we don't have a problem." <laughs> I mean, no one knew who Kid Rock was in 1985. <laughs> That's right. That was before like the good Bob old days. The was still two years out. <laughs> uh, let's see. What did Ben have for quick hitters? Uh, past Star Trek has taught us there is a 1,000% chance that the away team will meet up with the guy who started the riots. Oh, of course. Yep, of course they did, but it was very brief. Uh, he says, this isn't Warsaw. This is Les Mis. Gavroche is dead. Does shooting a shotgun at a 55-gallon drum on fire put it out? No, the answer is no. No, it does not. In fact, it probably doesn't knock that barrel over. It probably just blows a hole clean through it. That was a very good question. Um, all right. Hey, we knocked one out. That's the whole project, right? <laughs> it, it's weird because I think because it's a part one, it feels incomplete. Like, I don't feel like we've said everything about this dumb episode no we have to do this again next time uh when there's a part one and a part two i believe i traditionally ask you looking forward to part two huh mm. well i gotta be honest i'm looking forward to it m more than i enjoyed watching this episode i don't know if that's a that's really comparing apples and oranges <laughs> it's a tough comparison <laughs> um because nothing happened in this and i assume something will have to happen in that yeah i kind of wish da dax had already ditched that guy Oh, because you're afraid like, we're going to have to hang out with him more next time? Like, I don't want there to be... I don't want part of next week's time to be uh, Sarah Silverman falls in love with Tom Paris. Oh, my God. They really went for that, too. Yeah. They went hard. Well, they again, they considered bringing her on as a series regular. Bringing her back to the future and keeping her as a series regular. Well, after seeing what they had for her, I'm glad they did not do that. Yeah. Could not have, could not have handled it. 
But you're right. We're done with this one. Um, and every two weeks we watch one episode, right? That's it? <laughs> That's the whole thing? That's the whole deal. <laughs> We don't now have to immediately talk about... I mean, that's what a reasonable person would do. A reasonable project would be every two weeks you'd talk about one episode in depth. (laughs) Yep, we could be in and out. We could do a little bit of mailbag. We'd be out in under an hour. Instead, I'm being cyberbullied by you. (laughs) Yep. You're cyberbullying me. You're making me do this thing, and it's all over the internet. That counts. In fourth place last week was Voyager. It was actually a tie, but Voyager's in the worst position. Right. This week we watched Coda. I like that. There are actually two songs in my library called Coda, but... One is an instrumental, and the other one is white rap. So I kind of figured, <laughs> let's just leave them. I like that instrument. What's that instrument? Uh, that one in the back. That back. That one in the that instrument. That the, oh, there's the, some kind of calliope or something. Yeah, that's there. the name of the thing I wanted to say. I almost caught it. Called a kaleidoscope, and I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. No, I don't know if it, I mean it's a synth, so it's probably not a real one, but whatever. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't just play the ending of uh, fucking Layla or something. <laughs> I mean, yes. So there were many codas I could have taken from other songs, for sure. But instead, I played movies in my head. All right, well, let's do this. This one's always so much fun. I can't wait to do it. All right, well, this one would be great to listen to. Uh, Neelix catches Janeway on the way to the shuttle bay, as he catches everybody, just on on the way somewhere away from him. He's got a lot of free time now that Kess isn't talking to him. He seems to think so. Also, no one wants to have him in their department on the ship. Uh, they both talk about how much fun last night's dumb event was. I didn't even bother. I don't care what this conversation was about. Janeway and Chakotay are on a shuttle when shit goes haywire. Oh, I'm sorry. I, let me, let's, let's bust in here. The entire cold open where they refuse to say that it's a talent night is all double entendres. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, something went, that went well last night. And Janeway in particular was extremely good. Yeah, and she and makes... Next time, though, let's not invite Tuvok. Gross. Yeah, it's nasty. I didn't even think of that. I guess that's not how I, like, view the world. I watched it twice, this cold open, because when when we cut to credits, I couldn't believe that I had... that that was it. <laughs> you wanted to review it? I fucking ran it back, because wow. I couldn't believe what had happened. I can't do that. I can't run it back. Uh, so much of my life is already wasted on this project. Even when well, I completely I missed that, things. I was, I realized that I was about eighty seconds into this episode, and I had no idea what was happening. Like I had already <laughs> tuned out in the first eighty seconds. That happens to me all the time, including in this teaser. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I do not run it back. I don't have time for that. That's not happening. <clears throat> anyway, oh Ben, Ben caught it by the way. Oh, did uh, he? Because his in a check of the first sentence of his execution is, I hate that the opening suggests there were sexy times, but of course <sighs> it's revealed it's just a G-rated talent show i'm so glad i wasn't paying attention in this teaser then janeway and uh, chakotay are on a shuttle when shit goes haywire and they crash credits uh chakotay pulls janeway out of the shuttle and gives her cpr he gives her a hypo spray and then she coughs herself awake 
She's got, like, cranial swelling and is generally in bad shape, but somehow, like, awake enough to open up her communicator and begin setting up a homing signal. Yep. Wasn't that weird? He was like, you're, like, practically dead. Why don't you set up the homing signal? I know. Chakotay sees phaser burns on the hull and determines they've been shot down. Uh, They disconnect the homing signal that she set up in one half second. And Chakotay determines the phaser signatures are Vidian, for Christ's sake. They're soon surrounded by Vidians who found their homing signal, I guess. And they attempt to flee. Chakotay is shot and Janeway is strangled seemingly to death. And then suddenly, we back on the damn shuttle again. Yep, They're doing I a redo. This. We're doing time and we're doing cause and effect. We're doing a time loop. Janeway and Chakotay immediately realize they've done this before, so they're quicker than than the people in real time loops. Well, they knew it was possible because it's very clear in this episode that they, or at least Janeway, have read all of the Enterprise's logs because later they know to check whether someone is in uh, out of phase. Yep. Or in a subspace warp bubble. Wow, that's true. They brought up all of them. Yeah, no, they get them all. Uh, Janeway and Chakotay immediately realize they've done this before, and they begin scanning for temporal anomalies. Uh, They're attacked again by the Vidians, and this time the shuttle explodes, and they die again. But they're right back in the shuttle. Janeway does uh, attempt to disrupt temporal fields uh, that they may or may not have detected by using a tachyon burst. The Vidians disappear this time, and the shuttle makes it back to Voyager. But suddenly, nobody but Janeway can remember that any of this stuff was even happening, not even her boy Chaco. This is where I start calling him Chaco. Okay. It's one fewer syllable. <laughs> it does save you one syllable. Uh, Internet seems to call him Chuckles a lot. Oh, I don't like that. Because he's not a real person, and I don't like to... Um, give, give him a real nickname? I don't like to give him like human characteristics. I see. Yeah, that's good. Um, she goes to sickbay to be examined by Schmullis. Uh, and he tells her that she has the Vidian phage, which is causing her psychosis and making her remember things that didn't happen, like that whole time loop thing. Right. So at this point, the scenario that she believes is true is they did crash. Yeah. She did get touched by Vidians. And that's how she got the phage. Chakotay rescued her, so he didn't get killed. That wasn't real. Yeah. Even though it happens before she gets choked out. Yes. Before, the, before they ever get touched. I guess that's part of her psychosis. And everything since then has been a hallucination. So the time loops have been a hallucination. That's what she believes is true at this point. He gives her a sedative and she sleeps for 40 hours. When she wakes up, the doctor tells her he's gonna have to mercy kill her. Listen, you got the phage. <laughs> Ain't shit I can do about it. It's bad. You've got lesions and it's gonna be a real shitty death. So you're going to die in 10 seconds. Here comes the gas. <laughs> Prepare to die in now. The gas. <laughs> yeah, he fills her force field with a fast acting toxin that chokes her to death. But guess what? She's back in the shuttle with Chaco again. This time they see a big old fucking anomaly like um, like in the last episode of TNG style. Uh, yeah. And it blows them up good again. They're causing it in the future, but she didn't read that <laughs> log entry. So she doesn't know that. That's highly uh, uh, classified. Um. Suddenly, Janeway is now watching Chaco try to CPR her ass back to life outside of that shuttle on the planet again. Uh, this time he fails and she dies, but Janeway is still just there observing. Presumably she fucking rides the shuttle back. Yeah, she, like, she gets back to Voyager somehow. The trouble with this is that when there's a cut, it's not clear if Janeway experienced anything during the cut. Yeah. Because there have been cuts where clearly she didn't. 
I don't know. Well, she was. Sorry, I should not have used the phrase "the problem" with this episode. <laughs> yes, the singular problem. She watches them attempt to revive her in sick bay, which also fails. Uh, she manages to get Kess's attention by like I don't know what did you do? go through a bulkhead. She walks through Kess. Oh, she walks through Kess. Where she stops in front of Kess and Kess walks through her. Uh, like Kess's data's dumb scanner in that episode with Rowan Jordy. Yeah, basically. Um, by the way, that episode's better. Oh, uh, we will come to see that it is four hundred times better. Covers many of the same themes, except that the things that happen to them are real. Uh, thanks for taking all my notes. That's cyberbullying. I'm reporting <laughs> you to the cyber, the cyber authorities. Damn. Uh, the crew rallies around Kess, and they try all kinds of dumb scans to locate their captain. Uh, probably the ones that you just said they ripped off from TNG. Again, I zoned out. Um, Janeway bumps into her dad, who's also a magic ghost. No, he comes right out of an anomaly in engineering, which no one notices. He, uh, tries hard to convince her he's for sure a ghost. And asks her to cross over with him to whatever lies ahead. Uh, Janeway tells him she has to keep trying to rejoin her crew, and he accedes for the, the time being. Tuvork and Kess do like a seance or something, but they don't they don't get any trace of her. I got the feeling Tuvok was making it up as he went along, by uh, the way. Now I'm I'm definitely right there with you. We're we're both we're we're both here in and Okay, now I'm there. Oh, now it's hot. We should take our clothes off. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that weird how that happened? Oh, we'll we'll be a lot more now, comfortable in a few minutes. You just hear beeping, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> oh, it's, it's warm in here now, huh? <laughs> keep your eyes closed, though. It's important you keep your eyes closed. How would I look? Uh, next, Janeway watches her memorial service as the crew take turns telling boring stories about her. Uh, they release her body into space and seemingly go on with their lives. Janeway's dad shows up again and asks her to come along with him. She becomes defiant this time, and suddenly she sees Schmullis and Chaco standing above her, trying to revive her on that planet again. Yep. She comes to understand that she's still on that planet, still alive, and fighting for her life at least, and this guy is something sinister. He cops to being an alien who wants her delicious spirit energy in his weird matrix, I guess. She tells him to go back to hell, and then wakes up on the planet... They all go back to Voyager, chat a bit in her ready room, and then everything's all good again. Uh, well, I mean, and then she and Chicote go off on a holodeck date. Oh, I didn't. Again, I think I must have spaced out. <laughs> She's like, uh, you know what we should do now? Let's uh, drink some champagne and go sail oh, yes. on a lake. And then they just fucking go to the holodeck. Like, hey, that's a date. That does sound like a date now that you mentioned it. That's a it. date? Yeah. You get a drink and sail on a lake? Uh, moonlight. It was a moonlight sail. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Alcohol and night swimming—that is a date. <laughs> that's uh, that's not dangerous at all either. <laughs> no, sure, it's gonna keep it up. It's gonna go fine. Uh, hey, what was this one? Well, hey, what how the what is an episode like this about? What if there was an afterlife? Oh, she asks that question a lot. But it was bad though. <laughs> It wasn't all that good. Yeah. Okay. Hey, how's that? How's that score? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I gave it one point nice. out of a possible ten. I. So this episode is a fucking mess. Yes. No, nothing that happens is real, but don't worry. Even knowing that, it's still extremely confusing. Yes. Uh, and part of that is because this episode was a mix-em-up. They took a bunch of stories that weren't working on their own. Oh, no. 
and slammed them together. And decided to super make them not work. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry Taylor was like, and I'm going to throw in a bunch of Janeway's backstory from my Janeway novel that just went out. <sighs> about her dumb dad so dying under the polar her dad ice cap. dying and her said how she was real depressed and all of that nonsense, right? That's horrible. Which is fine because it's if it's real, <clears throat> it's the only thing that is anything in this episode. Wow. So let's just say it was tough to cook a take here. For some reason, I feel like reading the at mem- the end that she speculates that maybe every near death experience ever is an alien <laughs> in people's minds trying to take them away to his matrix to eat them. She's not good at this. She doesn't know anything about the afterlife, but like I feel like she knows even less than me. Like oh, I, the- I also I agree. It's a completely unknowable thing, and she somehow knows less. So there's a couple of things that Voyager has posited might be happening in the afterlife. <laughs> One, a weird energy might go into some rings around a planet. This that one, might be a soul. This one planet. That might be a soul. Not clear. Yeah. Two, an alien might eat you. Yeah, it might just devour your whole spirit. If, if you're foolish enough to go along with him willingly because for some reason you have to go willingly. He's a, va- he's a vampire and he has to be invited in or something. And if you're smart enough to say no, you just don't die. Yeah, you just wake up. Appears to be the case. She's not, so, she's yeah, not good at this. All I could cobble out of this one was, hey, what if it wasn't, what if you, you did live on after death, but it wasn't good? Okay. Well, look, um. Did you, maybe you did better. No, I gave it a one. Um, if you want to survive a near-death experience, it takes more than the will to live. You have to have something to live for. Just ask John Sheridan in Babylon 5. <laughs> Babylon also 5 did it. the doctor is doing something to try and dislodge an alien presence from your cerebral cortex cortex that helps that helps too that helps uh it's fake spiritual nonsense and not viable in any way i she's just like no i can't leave them they're too important even if i'm just a ghost i'll watch them forever i'll watch all my little babies i'm gonna watch kes grow up i hope and she'll be I'm three gonna... soon uh balana oh, might uh, like balana and tom paris are gonna become really good friends and i'm not gonna say any more than that <laughs> that's right and i won't let anyone know what we've been talking about in the writer's maybe room maybe they'll have a kid and then in star trek online they'll reveal it's the klingon jesus oh boy um yeah it's nothing it's not valuable to me it's a one yeah uh ben gave it a one. Oh, good his take was trust your reason not just what your eyes see M- maybe don't don't go to the light. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we all give it a one for different takes. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, Ben. Normally, I sass your take. I agree one hundred percent. Like, <laughs> what can you do? Yep. I literally had written "Don't go into the light" as my first <laughs> pass on this. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, he's a he's a two on execution. Okay. Uh, he <clears throat> hoped that he says they always have to do the same TNG episodes, but then put a weird spiritual twist on them. And then there's a, a literal alien ex machina at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she should just blow up the ship instead. He doesn't understand. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's Janeway's MO. That's her go-to. He's not clear why her imagination invented a time loop. So, uh, where are you? What's your... How did you think for execution? I gave it as many as three. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, well, talk about an episode with no stakes, right? Okay, Janeway, not gonna die and be a ghost. Though that would have been an interesting wrinkle for the rest of the season. By the way, that would have been great. If she was a ghost forever. If we were just like, 
Okay, so obviously we didn't want to say anything because of spoilers, but this is the episode where Janeway becomes a ghost <laughs> for the rest of the series. Would have been great. And she's just like giving people advice that they don't hear. Yeah. And, Entertaining uh, herself. She really becomes basically the narrator of Voyager in a really oh. strange way, but it like kind of makes more sense than Captain's Logs. Like she just gets used to saying this stuff out loud. That's a good, this is a better show. It's a better show if Janeway just becomes a ghost, right? I mean, we'll see if it's better than the Seven of Nine Voyager, but it's definitely better than this Voyager. <laughs> um, yet again, very little characterization because most of what happened was fake. In, uh, in fact, this is a much, as I said, this you stole from me, this is a much worse version of that Geordi Rowe episode. Yeah, and because when the people are talking about Geordi and Rowe in that episode... That happened. That happened. That yes. was real. At least that actually happened, and it turned out they weren't dead, just phase cloaked. So everything happened, and then they became visible again, and then it was fine. In this one, it's all a weird charade, um, and at the end, you realize you haven't actually watched anything. That's the three, huh? Well, three's not a good score. It's not a good score. <laughs> uh, I gave it a one. Okay. That's fair. Only the first two minutes and the last two minutes actually happened. And everything else was some unknowable combination of a malevolent alien presence and Janeway's unconscious dying mind. And that makes it very, very hard to understand what to take away from the middle 40 minutes. Yep. At the end, we don't even know if Star Trek is saying that what happened to Janeway here awaits all of us. Or if it's localized to that planet, which might explain the unexpected lightning storms that bring down the shuttle. Like, we've got an Armist situation here. Didn't he, like, um, didn't he give her a, oh, you'll see me again? Yeah, he did. When okay. he said that she would nourish him for a long time. <laughs> for sure. Uh, or if this is localized to the Delta Quadrant, etc. It's not clear in the least why her deciding to go with the alien is important. Yeah. It's not clear if the doctor just saves her or if she drove him off with her fiery speeches. She did so, tell him to go back to hell. So how could I give this one? Like, where are the points? Mm. That's all I'm asking. Where do the points come from? Yeah, 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 that's not a bad question. So I gave it one. It's not a good episode. It's very bad. What about world building? Uh, ben gave it a two. Okay. He says the shuttle names are racist because one of them is the Sacagawea. <laughs> he said he almost fell out of his chair. I would say... <laughs> well, it doesn't help that Chakotay says it, I guess. Ben's notes are pretty on point this week. Uh, he says Federation funeral procedure is just the same and they, they always do a wake. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think we already saw that. Remember when that good, good Maquis crewman that everyone was friends with died? Yeah, everyone's and Chakotay was mad at Janeway for the only time in the whole series. I remember that. And he told her, we can't keep playing by Federation rules, but that's like, but no, we can't. We're going to have to mock you the hell out of this thing, which means punching dudes in the face every day. Um, I gave it the standard three. Oh, hey. Here's what I learned from this episode. Okay. Tachyons disrupt time loops. I got that. Someone passed on Picard's reports because the crew knows about all the TNGs. Right. <laughs> Aliens get in people's brains and take their consciousness, maybe. It would be big if true, but it sucks. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. That's weird. Everything we see in TNG suggests that no one reads the reports. But uh, Voyager after Voyager, it turns out that they did. Yeah, every single episode, either Harry Kim read about it at the Academy or fucking Janeway. 
Janeway was briefed. And there was fucking... What was the last... What was last week's episode? Oh, that's a good question. Let's Alter consult Landry. That was the one... What's Alter Ego? Does that have a Harry Kim in it? Is that a Harry Kim episode? Fuck. Jesus, dude. What was Alter Ego? <laughs> They're all so bad, I can't remember them anymore. Uh, yeah, it's the one where uh, Kim's in love with the holodeck lady, and turns out she's an alien in an outpost. Okay. All right, that one's not it. Uh, it's either fair trade or macrocosm, but like recently they talked about, you know, this happened to the Enterprise. Yeah, you know, so so in Voyager, someone's reading the reports. So that that's the biggest point scoring for this. Huh, I had it as a one. They, they know all about Q, of course. Also, well, they've had to see him fucking twice now, so <clears throat> <clears throat> he's not gonna come back, is he? Is he gonna come back? Hold on, let's take a look. No, 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 don't look. I don't want to know. I, I'm so afraid of the answer. Let's see if we've got a Q title in position four anywhere in here. Uh, in the meantime, while you're doing that, I gave it a one. I had Shuttle Sacagawea lost. I I don't know how many shuttles we're up to, but that one's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a Type 6, though. Tachyon Burst can disrupt temporal anomalies. And I literally didn't write anything else down. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what else there was. I mean, you're right that the reports get passed around. I think that's happened in a lot of episodes by now, but I'm not sure we've ever taken note of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. What did, what did you give it? One. One. All right. Sure. I feel okay with it. Um, But you must have given it characterization points. So many. I gave it three. Okay. Janeway gives a look when she tells Neelix last night was fun. And I didn't even read it as sexual. But it was more acting than she has done in like 20 episodes. <laughs> Just the look she gave on her face. Well, this is this is a big set piece episode for her. It is. I mean, even uh, Chaco did some decent acting too when he was screaming with her dead in his arms and shit. Um, yeah, no, honestly, I kind of agree. Like normally, you'd say, "Oh, there's a this is the one where Chakotay's like, don't die, damn you." <laughs> yes, that was and does CPR, and then he when she dies, he pulls her up to him and screams no or whatever. And I would go, I definitely don't want to ever see that. Yeah. But it, honestly, it wasn't that bad. It was definitely not the worst part of the episode. I wonder how they got him to buy in for this week, because this episode was trash, and it must have been apparent from the script. So I don't know. Maybe they told him he was going to be captain from now on. <laughs> she's really she dead. going to be a ghost who narrated. Now keep in mind, she's really dead. Now <laughs> go. Um, But what did I learn about them? I guess that Janeway's too attached to her crew to not be a ghost forever? Or like she was like, I'll just be a ghost here and sit and watch them. That Janeway's dad died under a polar ice cap on Tau Ceti Prime? Did you say Tau Ceti Prime? That's what I'm saying. Like, did say Tau Ceti Prime? Like, I didn't learn nothing about these fucking people. It's a three for me. Yeah, if you believe that it is true that when her dad died 15 years ago, she was horribly depressed, I guess that's something. Who wouldn't be? Unless she, unless maybe Tom Paris wouldn't have been. Hates his dad. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be horribly depressed. Well, I mean, when our, when our dad goes swimming under the ice cap, it's, it's going, if he finds his way under a polar ice cap, I think I will be amazed. Yeah, I wouldn't be depressed. I would depression be is how I would so be like, amazed. Did he just wander up there? It, what happened? It would seem like I was beaming, but it would only be because of amazement. Oh, you'd just stand there until someone gave you chicken soup. Yeah, I'd just be like, what? What? That's not the beaming you meant. No. 
Um, <laughs> my first thought with this was that we only learn about Janeway in this one, right? And yep. we learn that she thinks that everyone loves her and that they'll miss her and that Chakotay is going to rend his garments. I guess you're right. We did learn that. <laughs> but actually, it's not clear how much the alien was doing in her brain. As usual. Like, the time loops in the weird euthanasia thing were him, right? Maybe she's just got, like, maybe she's a little bit of a rimmer, and when her mind takes over, it just goes to bad places. That's a better episode. I always think of that episode because I always go, that's me. <laughs> well, yes. I think everyone who's ever watched Red Dwarf identifies with Rimmer in that situation. I just go, he, if I had, just if my cannot... mind had the power to do anything, it would almost immediately take me to the worst places. You're the ballerina in the fire or whatever. Yes. Why did you make a fire? Don't make it. <laughs> don't and make I would the be fire. sitting there yelling back, I'm not trying to make the fire. <laughs> I look, I don't want there to be fire. I'm fucked up. Oh great, there's bees now too. Wonderful. I'm from circumstances. What do you want? I love bees, I guess. Here's all there's my beard of ah, bees that I imagined. Me. Yep. Yeah, that'd be me. Uh so like if uh if the bad stuff was him and not Janeway's fucked up mind, and it's not, there's no way to, to unravel it. Which is the problem. Then are the touching eulogies him too, so we don't even know for sure that she's a raging narcissist who thinks that she's like the mentor and parent to this crew? Yeah, it's hard to say. So at the end of the day, I don't know that we learned anything about anyone. I gave it zero points for characterization. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's just like, there's just no way to know what's real. It, yeah, if only you could just give a question mark. But that would oh, mess yeah. up the Landry I system. Don't know. I don't know how you add a question mark, so. <laughs> oh, that, you would pull a Kirk on Landrew if you did that. Don't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to try it. Okay. I'm not going to... Landrew is very delicate because every time you load it, it has to do 9,000 calculations. <laughs> Still way <clears> better <throat> than anything on uh, on Memory Alpha or any of those Wikia sites. Oh, yeah, it won't, get, it won't break your computer for sure. Yeah. Luckily, Google has not yet figured out how to put ads inside a spreadsheet, so... God, thank God. Cool. Oh, boy, I feel like we're almost there, though, right? Google, don't listen to this. You're going to have to buy an extra expensive version of anything Google or whatever in order to avoid the ads. Uh, Ben's got a couple of... Uh, Ben's a two on characterization. Starts with the Voyager crew are the dumbest. <laughs> That's <Yep>. fact. <laughs> they find out they're facing the Vidians and go immediately into a cave. Yep. Ben's notes are very entertaining this week. Yeah, Ben was on the ball with this Voyager for sure. Um, and then they figured the time loop out immediately. Yeah, it's too jarring to be real. Yeah, I think you're right. The time loop stuff must have been him because there's no way they're smart enough to figure that out immediately. I mean, just nothing about it makes sense. The The <laughs> trouble is, like, they just jammed way too much shit. They, they should have taken one unusable script and pulled it back out. Well, I was trying to tell you earlier, it's too depressing now when you tell me what happened from Memory Alpha. <laughs> It oh, makes should me, I stop? It makes should me, I stop doing real world stuff because it always upsets you? I thought they just did what they normally did and wrote something bad. But in reality, they wrote several bad things and then stuck them all together and went, huh? Well, and then they How were about like, this? I spent 15 minutes on this pitch. I'm not going to not use it. <laughs> That's right. Just because it sucks and you can't be used. Uh, yeah, he had quick hitter. Uh, uh, Mul so Mulgrew must have known their show was on the ropes, so sh she hams it up so bad. The death scene was just torture to watch. I have never heard any suggestion that Voyager was ever in danger of being canceled. No. And I think that that is because it was UPN's flagship. Yeah, UPN was. And they were just going to, like, like they were going to fucking, we're going to stick it on CBS All Access and die on that hill. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Somebody was like, God, we should probably fucking cancel this. And they went, and then do what? Sell the Sentinel? And Is then the what? Sentinel our show now? Merge with the WB and become the CW? <laughs> Is that a good idea? You idiot. Is that your good idea? And then that guy wrote that down on his notepad and went above that other person's head to, right to the top. That still took a while, but yeah. <clears throat> Ugh, uh, he gave best actress to Taurus and worst to Janeway. And I forget who's got to do quick hitters now, but I only you do have it. like two. You do it. Okay. Uh, this is the saddest shuttle on a string effect I've ever seen. When this fucking thing gets hit by lightning and starts going into, I mean, what I guess is supposed to be like a flat spin. Oh, yeah. If this was an airplane, but that shuttle's not aerodynamic. That's it's true. just very sad. Now, this is a real question I have for you. Have you ever seen a cave in real life? <laughs> yes. Just in the world? Yes, I have, actually. But okay, where were you where there was a cave? Don't worry, it was a tourist you cave. You went to a cave national park it was, and you went into the, the one cave? It was a tourist cave in Korea where you went in and you got to see statues people made in that cave a long time ago. All right, cool. Uh, Star Trek's fucking full of them. They're yeah. never more than 20 feet from a cave. It's true, and it's never a good time. They should not go in them. Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote 11 minutes in and they've died twice. They must be cramming a lot in this week. And then I stopped taking notes I don't on the blame quick you. hitters. Because it just, the whole thing got nuts and I didn't understand it. I gave best actor to Dr. Death, the euthanasia doctor. <laughs> and worst actor to Admiral Daddy. He wasn't so good. I did like that they pulled out the old Admiral's uniform for him, though. Uh, when I when I have trouble, Matthew, coming up with a take for these episodes, I tend to read reviews. Oh, okay. Uh, and I read a 15-year-old review of this episode, and then I read the comments on the review, okay. which were mostly about, is it believable or isn't it that an admiral would be this fat? <laughs> and finally cutting to the core of the fucking issue, what I've wanted like, to know. This guy doesn't look good in this uniform. It no. was obviously put together real quick and like it's not crisp in any way. He's not that fat. He's just an old dude. Yeah, he's old guy fat. He's just regular old guy fat. Yeah. But that was what the comments were all about. And also, I did I never got a take from any of these fucking reviews. That guy is the kind of fat we all hope to be when we're old. Yeah. Like he looks comfortable. Yeah. Uh he's got them he's got them pants that got <laughs> elastic in them now, but they look like normal pants That's if you don't right. get the waistband. That's what matters in your old age. Do your pants look like normal pants? Yeah. Uh I did got you have any quick hitters recorded at I all. I got some hot, hot, hot fire. Uh, oh, good. Quick hitters. This line by Chakotay. It's a warship loaded with weaponry. Yep. Huh? Really? Is it? It's a warship loaded with weaponry? That's his official censor reading that he gives to uh, Janeway. <clears throat> Yet another Voyager horror episode. I'm not a fan of these. They usually don't have anything to say. Obviously, these are written in real time, and it did not have anything to say. Well, <laughs> um, again, probably Beltran's best acting when Janeway eats it in his arms. Um, why doesn't Janeway try to like go through Kiss during that seance? You know, yeah. the one thing that made her aware in the first place. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. This is the this is the thing where you read the description, so you didn't hear me say. Oh. Uh, Thank you. She goes to watch Tuvok and Kess look for her, though for whatever reason, she doesn't try the one thing that worked last time. She just sits there quietly and watches. Mm -hmm. Idiot. <sighs> no, Chaco, you can't release the pod unless it's red alert. If you do it at yellow alert or below, you'll have to go to trial. 
court martial offense. He released the pod. <laughs> she should have known this guy was a fake, like her dad. Um, he's in like a real hurry, but what does time matter to a magic ghost spirit? Yep. Uh, also, there are some other clues that someone in one of the reviews I read pointed out, which is that, uh, and it's just bad writing. It's not intended to be because he didn't know this, but like, he never, like, he says your sister, but he never uses her name. Right. There's just a bunch of, like, there was some lazy stuff where they didn't want to do too much backstory. Your sister, Jeannie, or, um, no, uh, Jennifer, I don't remember. Your sister. You know, you're the one sister. I think her name's alliterative. I don't really remember. Go back to hell, coward, is a bonkers line. It's hog bonkers, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, well, that's your new phrase. (laughs) I got a letter addressed that way. Yeah, you're Jaybird Hog Bonkers. That's you now. Do you prefer Biscuit? You could be Biscuit again. No, god damn it. (laughs) I I just stopped being Biscuit. (laughs) That's all I had. Those are my great, great takes. Well, we're done with it. Fucking good. Um, tied with 24 points last week was Enterprise. So this week we watched Impulse. Uh, uh, uh. This doesn't have a tambourine. It needs one. I want to be the tambourine guy in that. <laughs> yep. I. By the way, every time I listen to that, I feel like they used the same vocal track. They did. They for sure did. One hundred percent. Okay. It they, is. they didn't want to do a full. We're not doing a full re-record of it. Whoever that guy was, they're not bringing him back in for another. They're not paying run. Bobo Rod Stewart to come in and do it again. <laughs> it's weird that you can say Rod Stewart and I always say Brian Adams. <laughs> well. Maybe he's just staying in there and we've got the whole collection. <laughs> he's some kind of in between. We agree he doesn't sound like Stang. Yeah, he's not Stang for sure. He's not even Stang <laughs> from Monster Factory. Archer brings a screaming, insane T Paul to the med bay. Flox is not certain he can fix the damage, but he gives her an injection and she calms down long enough to get into that scanner one day earlier. Mm, I love that. Trip and Archer are, by the way, it's actually credits and then one day earlier. That's actually not the, so good. The cold open is 18 seconds long. Oh, that's right. I have that in my notes. Yeah. Uh, Trip and Archer are in the war room discussing the crew morale like you do in the war room. When uh, when Paul enters, Archer has been trying to use Zindi star charts to find uh, more spatial anomalies, probably to avoid them, but I don't think he says it exclu- out, outright. Yeah, it's not clear. He might, he might just want to fly through him because it's cool when the cargo flies all around the cargo bay. Did you guys see our drinks were all in the air? They're just out there in the air. Um, They have a discussion where T-Paul's like a little shirty about not having been called to help them look for anomalies. Right. Uh, it's, it's foreshadowing. Uh, but Hoshi calls down because they have, they're getting a distress call and it's Vulcan's. Is a Vulcan distress call, and it's from the Salea, a ship that entered the Expanse nine months prior. Uh, wasn't wasn't trying to get in there, got sucked on in. Is that ship named after um, one Not of Salea on Vulcan? It sure is. No, is it named after? Wow, it was <laughs> named after one of that delegation that they were taking to Pacifica. 
Oh, yeah. They also have a Mount Ant- Antica, also. <laughs> All right, never mind. Um, <clears throat> they find... I thought you would know Mount Salea from Vulcan. I think it's come up before. Well, I didn't know it. I only okay. know the Salea and the Antikans. Anakin's Skywalkers. Yeah. They find the ship. It's in a nutso asteroid field. Like, this asteroid field is... It's Wing Commander style. Oh, that's good. Uh, and their best guess is that these old boys were there trying to get some trellium. Because there's a lot of this trellium in the asteroids. Okay. So Archer, Reed, and uh, T-Pole, and Sergeant Hawkins, some Mako, get in a shuttle pod. And they make their way through all of the cool colliding asteroids. And uh, on the way there, it turns out that the Salea was uh, T'Pol's last ship, so she knows most of this crew. Oh. She was working there before she got into the diplomatic service, I guess. It's not clear how long ago. Before she started going to cool jazz clubs in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, as Archer left the ship he kind of gave an offhand remark to trip which was try and get some of that trellium out of these asteroids so he and mayweather are trying to just beam it up okay and they they screw up the whole transporter yeah there's fucking rocks all in the walls and shit so then they make the decision that they're going to take the only other shuttle pod down onto an asteroid and mine some trellium mm-hmm. so at this point i don't know who's in charge of the ship hoshi i guess oh fun i mean or flocks all of the other <laughs> characters we know are off ship at this point i would very much like for flocks to be in charge there's, there's some pissed off ensign whose name we've never heard of it's like why is flocks in charge does he even a, have a rank a real old boys club around here yeah. it's just whoever the captain likes uh so anyway they go down to this asteroid Archer's team gets to the Salea and they find life signs. No one answers. They board the ship. A crazed Vulcan zombie attacks T-Pol and Archer. And then a bunch more follow when they all get, they all eat stuns. They all eat a bunch of phaser stuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed and his Mako buddy get surrounded. For some reason, their stuns aren't as good. I don't really understand what's <laughs> happening there. They're not using the stuns the right way. They're not doing it good. They're not stunning good enough. Yeah. They're, they got rifles, and for some reason, <clears throat> the little pistols stun better. Mm. They fight their way back to the shuttle, because they're out of there. But there are two Vulcans standing in there, and I guess they've got some intelligence because they slammed the door on them. Right. So they have to fight their way up to some higher deck. Uh, T'Pol wants to go to the bridge to try and get control or to talk to Enterprise or something. Reed wants to steal a Vulcan shuttle, but there's it's open. To, their shuttle bay's open to space or something. But anyway, this Mako was injured by these zombies, so the first thing they do is they go to sick bay. Okay. Uh, at this point... To Paul reveals that she's feeling a lot of anxiety and she worries that whatever happened to these Vulcans is starting to happen to her. She's like totally freaking out, bro. She's freaking out pretty good at this point, but it'll get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, the mining boys make a rough landing on an asteroid and they try to get some trellium, whatever. They're 
none of their plot matters except yes. that eventually their shuttle is going to get damaged and so they can't go get the other guys right away just like the transporter is damaged it's just to extend the length of time that the crew's in contact with these zombies yes that whole other plot god not that the main plot means much but the second plot really doesn't mean anything yeah only two things are going to happen it's going to put a a slight delay uh on the plot on getting the crew back and they're going to end up with some trellium at the end and i'll talk about it yep uh, there's a jump scare in sick bay. They start scanning their attacker. They can't figure out what's happening to him. They can't get anything out of him. He's pretty insensate. He's just banging around in his little pod. Uh, T-Pol is really starting to panic. Archer forces her to focus on getting back to the shuttle. They got to go to engineering now to try to open the bulkheads that the other Vulcans closed on them so they can get back to their shuttle. Right. Uh, Archer and Reed go ahead and clear a path, and uh, the Mako asks the the Mako is our audience stand in here, and he asks her about Vulcans <laughs> yeah. and emotional control. So she explains some stuff to him. He's Bashir, and she is Cisco, basically. <clears throat> uh, blah 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 blah. The ship makes contact. Uh, Tucker tells him it'll be a couple hours before Pod Two can fly again, but they send over the data that they scanned from that Vulcan in sick bay. Mm-hmm. So Phlox can get started on the cure a little early. He's usually pretty quick. She'll be fine. Uh, Reed fucks something up in engineering, and uh, T'Pol snaps and becomes totally paranoid. She thinks that they don't want to save the Vulcans, and they want to kill them, and they were having a secret meeting in the war room earlier. She basically loses it. Mm-hmm. She draws her gun. They disarm her. Uh, Phlox has figured out that it's the Trellium D. It's the Dangle Trellium D. It's a potent neurotoxin that only affects Vulcans. But they need it. It disrupts their emotional control. But bro, they need the Trellium D. Uh, They got to get that Trellium D. Uh, He figures if they can get T-Paul back uh, pretty quick, then he can probably reverse the damage. But it's too late for these Vulcans. So they overload the reactor. And the ship's on a 15-minute clock. They have to fight their way back to the shuttle. Uh, Archer's also basically dragging T'Pol along at this point because she's uh, she's the screaming monster that she is in the cold open. If this show were real, when he, when Phlox goes, ah, it's too late for those Vulcans, you would have heard Archer go, oh, good. I know. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to try to save these guys. There's kind well, of a lot happening. Oh, I can just leave? Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you. Uh, there's some business with a narrow chasm they have to cross. They Ugh. make it back to the shuttle. They're, the other pod shows up now and shoots them off of the ship. It's, it's all very useless. Hmm. The Salea explodes. And, uh, you know, Fox fixes T-Paul. The, the mining team, it turns out, has got enough trellium in their brief mission to line the forward hull of the ship. But until Phlox finds a way to protect T-Ball from the effects, Archer's just going to keep it in storage. He's not going to use it. So they're going to be flying around unprotected. Yep. When he explains it to T-Ball, she thinks he should leave her on the nearest inhabited planet so that they can use the Trellium D. But, you know, he says his thing here that I'm sure someone thought the episode might be about, but I didn't. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) About how you can't save humanity by giving up on what makes you human mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. uh and then maybe they go to movie night but on the way back t paul's attacked by a zombie and she wakes up again in sick base so i don't know if movie night was a hallucination too 
she does come off cooler in movie night than she would, so probably. I'm inclined to believe that's not real. Yeah, she probably was just like, man, what if I had like a super good line? But anyway, this thing's going to haunt her in some way. I guess. And because it's Enterprise, I assume we'll see it again. All right, good. Well, they, I guess they've been doing continuity. And now they've got the, uh, should they use the Trellium D, can they use the Trellium D, et cetera, et cetera. So all that is advanced by this dumb episode. Matthew, what's it about? I wish we had a, we should make a drop for a note takes because it's a note take and I, wa- <laughs> I want to play a drop. So to go like, no, 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 no take. <laughs> Something like that. I'll just cut that. I'll use that. One. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, yeah, it's nothing. I mean, it's not about anything, right? It's not. It's not even remotely about what he said. No. I mean, I mean, it's not about the human. It's certainly not about the humanity thing. Yeah, like that's that's not what it's about. I don't. I, I don't know. I played around with some things. It wasn't any of those things. It's a zero. It's a no take. Uh, Ben's got it at a two. It says, "What if we did Dawn of the Dead, but like with Vulcans to make it Star Trek?" Oh, okay, so it's uh, not a take. But he he gave it points because he thinks this is only the third stupidest idea this week. So it is yet another bad week. It's weird that we've had fifty six in a row. Isn't that weird? It's kind of weird how they've all been bad. Yeah, it huh. is very weird. I, uh, I I did check uh, Landrew earlier. The best five episode window of any series. So like the best the run of five good episodes in a row okay, was uh, TNG at week 20. So 18, Whoa. 19, 20, 21, and 22 is, are the five best episodes ever in Landrew. To be fair, we have a million times said season one was bad, but then it got good at the end. That's Coming of Age, Heart of Glory, Arsenal of Freedom, Symbiosis, and Skin of Evil. No, that's not even the ones we usually think of. No, <laughs> okay. I don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll remain the best. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's a five. That's five weeks that averaged over forty-two points. I mean, so. it did have Arsenal of Freedom in it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, hey, but I gave this one four. Hey. Yeah. So here it is. It's cooked, of course. Okay. Uh, compassion. Must have its limits. Ouch. They're confronted early on by these Vulcan monsters, and despite the tense situation, Archer keeps it a rescue mission, right? Yeah. The Mako wants to kill him. Archer keeps it, keeps it, phasers on stun, this is a rescue mission, etc. Until the minute Flock says, nah, we, they're gone. Then he blows up the whole ship to get his, his men out, and the only reason that's worth points is because it raises the question... How long can they afford to not use the Trellium D just mm. because it's bad for one of their crew members? That's true. That does set up something like that. That yeah. kind of question. So that's the where the points come from there. Okay. I get that. Give me your take and your points. I'll take yours since you always steal from mine because you're a cyber. Oh, you're gonna you're just gonna do How's it feel? my four points. How's it feel? Okay. How's it feel to be cyberbullied by a real bully? Weird. I'm a real That's bully. Weird. I don't think I've ever talked you up four points in a single week. Well, going from no take to a take is something. Well, uh Well let's talk continuity. I'm sorry, let's talk uh Execution. Execution. <laughs> yep. Um this episode is a lot of jump scares and horror lighting. God, yeah. Like strobe strobe lights, dark spaces with a lot of bright flashing lights. So that's dumb. Oh, I, I zone out a lot in Enterprise. Part of the reason I zoned out in this one was all the strobes. I couldn't look at the screen. It wasn't great. Yeah. Like, I don't watch this on a big TV. I watch this on half of my monitor. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. 
I mean, it's still close enough that I get a real good look at it. <coughs> Compared to, like, watching Deep Space Nine on a regular TV in the 90s. <laughs> yes. Uh, the bit of business that I liked here is... So there would be a temptation among the dumb writers of this dumb show to have T-Paul keep what's happening to her a secret. Yeah. Until she just suddenly turns on them. And instead, she's basically keeping Archer up to date the whole time. Yeah, like on a freakout scale. I'm feeling anxiety. I, I feel like I'm losing control. It's, you know, et cetera. She pulled so. out her Madden card. That's like, when should you go for it? But, <laughs> yep. but it's her freakout scale. And she's like, I'm at a four out of ten. I'm paranoid, but like I realize I'm paranoid. I don't think it makes sense that Trip would leave the ship and risk their only other shuttle pod just because Archer told them to try and get some trellium. So it's clear that they just needed to wreck that pod up somehow to extend suspense for a few minutes. Yeah. It's not clear. So one thing, another thing that's not great about this is it's not clear to me how much of what happened to these Vulcans is because trellium makes them crazy. And how much is this is what pre-Surak Vulcans were like? Uh, because t paints a pretty grim picture. And she does talk a lot about how she's she and they have lost control. Yes, they've lost control and how before they found logic, Vulcans were super paranoid. She specifically calls out paranoia. Yeah. And I mean, and this is, we're getting into world building, but like, hey, the Romulans are a little bit paranoid. <laughs> It's true. We know that. That is a trait that is true of them. God, speaking of caves. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Fucking, they got an advanced society. They all live in caves. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So, because I, I it's because I couldn't tell what was Trellium and what wasn't. I didn't, I didn't love that right. aspect of it either, but I guess it's something. I gave it as many as four points for execution. Uh, let's see. I had it as a two. But now I have a take, so I'll have to think about it. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, another horror episode. How did I get so lucky this week? Because Voyager really was pretty horror-y at points. Uh, disliked the constant strobe effects. Hard to watch in more ways than one. Uh, good parts were getting Teeple's emotions to come through and how the crew kind of rallies around her, even to the point that Archer in the end is like, well, we just ain't going to use the trellium then. We'll just box it up. But most of this episode was uh, fucking nothing in a way that Enterprise is kind of specializes in, where they don't really make a lot of attempts at things. And they, yeah. instead, it's a lot of shooting and really artificial plot uh, clocks or uh, stalling or any number of stupid tactics to get the plot where they need it to go. Um. Ben has it as a five. Yeah. Mm. At least they point out the erratic pattern of the asteroid's movements. He says he's pretty sure he played that game on an Apple IIe. Hey, Apple II. That's true. It's yeah. the second Apple II reference. Getting some play this week. Um, more run and gun, but this seems like it's related to an actual mystery and there's some danger to the crew. Yeah, these zombies are smart. You mentioned it, and he mentioned it, and it's true. They, like, lock doors, and they can swing pipes and shit. They aren't just, like, sticking their arms out and going, blah! It kind of does uh, call into question whether they really could not have been saved 
Flock said it. That's all that matters. They, they still seem to have a little bit of intelligence is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and he says, horrible plot, but honestly, who can't enjoy an episode of The Walking Dead now and then? I don't really like that show. Oh, me. I don't like that show so much. Um, well, also, what surely what must be interesting about that show is what the humans do, not what the zombies do. Yeah, well, they think that's interesting. Unfortunately, okay. <laughs> they're not good at writing, so... <laughs> Every season's the same season. They just run into a, a colony of humans. Turns out they're the bad guys. It's the humans are the bad guys. Right, humans every are time. the bad guys. Yeah. Every fucking time. Um, world building. Uh, the Vulcan cruiser Salea, which was pulled into this expanse by accident. The Vankara, or whatever, continuity, that one was mentioned before, was sent in to find them. Not only was it mentioned before, but we saw them all going crazy. Yes, that's the who filmed this. <laughs> who's filming this? <laughs> that's, that's the, who's filming this? Stop filming it! Uh, weird that all those rocks fusing with the walls in the shuttle bay didn't cause any kind of issue at all. No, I mean nothing. Who knows when they'll get to use the transporter again? But for now, it seems like it was pretty okay. Just I don't think can they really occupy the same point in space and time at the same time, and nothing's displaced and anything, nothing happens. They just it's Listen, just in there is, now. This has been fucked since we did that near warp transport. Yes. And Data's like, you were in the wall, though. And then, then we both went, why did you write that? You, you should have just not said anything. <laughs> These Vulcan zombies are way better than typical human zombies. These guys swing pipes and shit and know how to brawl. But just like human zombies, they know not to attack each other as well. Oh, yeah, that's weird. They attack T-Ball, though. Yep. Mm, they're crazed in a very specific way that makes them only attack the uninfected. Again, just like human zombies. Don't understand how zombies work. Um, Trellium D messes up Vulcans big time, so that's going to throw a wrench into things. Uh, if there was more, I didn't note it, but to me it was a three. I could see a two, but I gave it a three. Oh, shit. Was that world building or... That was world building. Execution. My ex- oh, shit. What my ex- did you give... <laughs> was your execution? It was a two. Okay. All right lock this down uh so for world building i'm a three i have a so here's a question what use is carrying 250 milliliters of water that may go hands her the world's smallest canteen <laughs> it's weird that they mentioned how much well, i mean they didn't but like look at it oh yeah okay <laughs> it's like it's like the little tiny bottle of water they give you on a plane and you're like what is this can you give me four of those this is just gonna make my mouth angry that there's not more water. Uh, yeah, continuity with the previous Vulcan missions and an explanation for that one crew's madness. Maybe a hint at what pre-Surek Vulcans were like, although maybe T'Pol's just talking shit. She wasn't there. Also, she's already pretty affected, so... There's a lot of Surak worship among the Vulcans. They might have made some stuff up. Yeah, Surak wasn't that great. It used to be so bad, guys. Guys, it was so bad. Surak 9? Is that what we're talking about? The secret agent on Vulcan? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but then it's guys, hey guys, you're talking about Gary 7? I'm talking about Gary 7's counterpart, <laughs> Serac 9. Hey guys, it used to be so bad. It's like, you would not believe how paranoid and violent we all were. And then it's like, they just meet the Romulans and it's like, yeah, these guys are shitty, but like, you know, they seem pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly okay. They ain't running around. They seem to have figured out another method for building a whole society. Yeah. And then, like you said, Trellium D is poisonous to Vulcans. Blah, blah, blah. Standard three. 
Yeah, Ben headed as a two. Trellium is a strong neurotoxin uh, for Falcons. Why does this only come up now, though? Uh, asked and answered in the show. Yep. Apparently, it's because they had not been successful in making Trellium D. Yeah. They're not they're not super specific that it's only Trellium D that's bad for Vulcans, but I guess that's the idea. Also, it's weird that it's a blue paste that you just smear on the walls. Yeah, that's it. That's literally that's that the does whole not. Thing. I mean, it seems like the first time a torpedo exploded near you and the ship shook around, a bunch of it would just fall off, <laughs> just plop down onto the ground. I thought they were gonna basically electroplate the hull with it. Uh, what about characterization? Archer's fine. Um, T-Pulse shows a little paranoia before their mission, and I don't know what that means. Right. Like, what her little thing when she goes into the war room and she's like, she seems pissy that they didn't call her down to talk about anomalies and movie night. They know she loves anomalies. And then later she's like, that's what you guys were up to in that in that room so like is she a paranoid character and but then why would she be why does it happen before the trellium d exposure right. is the question that i ask uh i do like that she's open with archer about what's happening with her why is trip suddenly mr morale he's been the fucking rain cloud on this ship since his sister died but now he's like i think we should bring back movie night people got to get over it sooner or later <laughs> maybe he's finally over his dumb sister we can only hope. Oh, but it's like, it's not like he's finally had sex with T-Paul and that's what fixed him. Which I'm sure is what they would propose would happen. <sighs> Have they not done it yet? I don't even know how intimate it gets. There's no, like, not, there's I like Jack know. in it, right? And like, there's Jizz, right? That's part of it? I, we know feet are involved. Oh, that's all. Damn it. I'll teach you. <laughs> Thank you. So I just don't understand what changed with him. I gave it a four. Uh, I had it as a five. Uh, Trip still doesn't have enough work to do, and so now he's in charge of movie nights still, I guess. Uh, T-Pole served on the Salea for a year. She's pretty assertive with that Mako, and she says to keep the weapons on stun. Um, I guess the emotions are supposed to be real. Again, we're getting this from her. She's just losing control and spinning out. You get a ton of emotion out of her from her paranoia about Archer and, uh, the, her crewmates really see her to her desperate wish in the end that Archer not sacrifice the ship's safety on her behalf alone. It was sort of effective, assuming the emotions aren't totally altered by what's happening in the show. <clears throat> and like you said, she was pretty open about all the sh- crap that was going down with her the whole time. Um, and uh, like I said earlier on, it was nice that uh, Archer and crew rallied around her. So it was uh, a five for me. Yeah, we've had like 10 episodes already where the big main problem of the episode would go away if people just talked to each other. Fair Trade, I think, was the last one. Mm-hmm. So I always like when the characters are like, I don't know, man, something's happening to me. I'm feeling pretty fucking weird now. Instead of like, I think I have transporter psychosis and they're going to kick me out of Starfleet or whatever, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh... I had the... Wait, do we do Ben's characterization yet? Uh, ben is a four. Oh. Mr. Morose wants to start up movie night again for reasons. No idea where this change... Oh, he same thing. No <laughs> idea where this change comes from. Right. DePaul isn't herself the whole time. Regis has to run around making pew-pew noises. Archer's grandiose. Can't try to save humanity while not holding on to what makes me human. He wonders, how do you define that? Does it include the torture you did on that alien in the airlock? <laughs> <clears throat> 
he thinks that's good. He's going to be able to forget that, but we will never let him forget. Nah. And then he says, Hey teeps, can you use your logic a little more quietly at the end there? Um, I, uh, I had, okay. I, I clearly did not take notes for very long in this episode. It's okay. I have one quick hitter. So <laughs> yeah, my quick hitters were a short screamy teaser. Great sign for this episode. And also that wild screaming was the best acting T-Bold has done so far. Well, at least she's not Harry Kim. God, he would not be able to scream his way. Yeah, he couldn't pull that. He couldn't pull this. off her role in this one. Uh, I just have one. Movie night only shows films that are in the public domain, huh? That's right. And like, okay, I don't know. Maybe the Bing Crosby road trip movies aren't in the public domain, but like... They may as well be. But like, hey, why don't they ever show a movie that's from our future? Yeah, they never watched Show that. a movie that was from 2080. That classic 2024 movie about the Bell Riots. 2025 movie about the Bell Riots or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's assume it took them about 15 years to get on that. Okay. Probably from about 2040. They probably did finally did a good Bell Riots movie. A good biopic. I don't know. It seems like they take less and less time to churn those things out these days. Maybe Mark Wahlberg would star uh, in it. so they'd controversial. Yeah, it's a good question. It would come out six months after the event. Uh, I gave best actor to Trip, I guess, and worst actor to Movie Flocks. If he the was, dude was irritating in that movie beyond any rationality, but it's possible that that didn't happen. Yeah. So the acting really yeah. happened, though. The acting happened either way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Three out of five. Three out of five. Oh, it feels it feels like it's been a long one. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, second place last week was TNG. Uh, so this week we watched. The Vengeance Factor. An away team of Riker, Worf, Dr. Crusher, and Data beams into some hella busted up, greenlit room. Dr. Crusher finds a bloody knife. Worf tests his strength against a door, which Data opens like a show-off. And on the other side are some super dead human researchers. Credits. I mean, none of them are dead, but that's fine. No, they looked pretty dead. Those guys didn't kill them. They they looked dead. Now, they're unconscious in the very next scene, and Crusher's like, I don't know, they'll wake up sooner or later. I'm not going to wake them up, so you're going to have to figure out what this all is. But also, we never see them again. Yeah. They, they never wake up in the episode, as far as we know. It's like the... Um... It's like the researchers in uh, Who Watches the Watchers. I think they may have thrown that in just to make it so that uh, the, we don't think that these uh, gatherers are murderers. Uh, well, we do find out they're just frat guys. Anyway, back in sickbay, Crusher tells Picard the blood she found was uh, Akamari, Akamarian? Akamarian? Akamarian. There he is. That's the one. Akamarian. So they, they, they're probably the ones who fucked these peeps up. Picard has Enterprise zip off to the Akamar homeworld to work with Farouk, no, Marouk. Sovereign Marouk. Uh, to enlist her aid in tracking down the Gatherers, who are the fuckers he thinks are responsible for this. Marouk is in charge of the other, more civilized faction of the Akamarian society, back on homeworld. Anyway, again, they zip off real quick to the Hrami Cluster, where there may be some dang old Gatherers. Is this one of those fun clusters, uh... Where they say the name about five different ways. <laughs> That's right. They often say Haromi. 
It is definitely spelled H-R-O-M-I. Yes. Uh, Maruk has a bunch of servants brought up for the journey, including Utah. Like the state. Right? That's how Riker says it. That's not how the closed captions spell it, but who the fuck knows? Uh, seemingly young blonde. He does, he does over, he's an overpronouncer, and he does it later. He does it when he's Parthas a la Utah. Parthas a la Utah. You're like, oh boy, okay. Uh, anyway, she's a seemingly young blonde who gets Riker's harp strumming. He, um, <laughs> flirts hella aggressively and obviously with her. In front of her fucking boss, too. Yeah, Carrie, for, for, for everybody queen of the whole planet and he's flirting with her he does in front of picard every fucking day um they find evidence of a settlement where maruk said to look so the away team gets its second mission going in under 10 minutes you got uh the metal man goes down there and big forehead beef wit and the phaser magnet they all down there (laughs) who's the phaser magnet jordy it's jordy (laughs) and they all just walking around on this planet when phasers fucking snore out of nowhere uh, Worf and Riker debate whether it's okay to kill these dudes, and Riker comes up with a sick-as-hell plan to melt some duranium they found as a smoke screen. That smoke must be so fucking toxic. It smells real bad. Breathing in vaporized metal? There's zero chance that's good for your lungs. So he puts up a smoke screen and then yells out that he needs to be beamed up. But shit, son, that was fake. He never beamed out, and they capture these turds. Fuck yeah! It's a pretty good trick. Then they sit down with these guys, and it turns out they're just interested in, like, drinking and finger-blasting each other or whatever. Picard and Maruk make their offer to let these dudes come home with amnesty. They are kind of like the dudes in Mad Max that you're like, they're not technically the good guys, but I kind of like them. <laughs> they okay, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they let Maruk and poor man's Kurt Russell talk it out. Meanwhile, Utah is down there, too, probably as part of Maruk's landing party, I guess. And uh, she finds an older frat guy, one of the older frat guys, identifies him as Clan Lorax, and he speaks for the trees and touches him to death. She touches him real good. Uh, they all talk about making this same offer they just made to poor man's Kurt Russell to a guy named Chorgon. Yep, Chorgon, He's their leader. Chorgon is their boss. He he seems to know more about these things. I guess he's like frat chapter president or something. Um, yeah. He did the best. He did a good beer bong. Can you do it good? <laughs> he did the beer he bong did it good. even better. I wasn't in a frat. Uh, they find the guy Utah killed, and Dr. Crusher is suspicious about the cause of death. Back on Enterprise, PMKR, I'm called, that's what I'm calling poor man's Kurt Russell, uh, sees fresh meat in the form... Despite the fact that he's got the very cool name of Brule. <laughs> the names are so bad in this episode. Brule and Chorgon, Sovereign Maruk, Utah of the Clan Trelesta. Oh, I have that as Calestra. Mm. Oh, well. Um, anyway, this dude sees fresh meat in the form of Wesley Crusher, and he I think he made Wesley ask him if he sat in gum. I don't remember what is <laughs> happening. Then he finds him in 10 Ford, and he, like, farts on his Orgo textbook, and then he goes, Hey, you don't know me. Just because I love good-ass jokes doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. I bought stickers from a blind lady at the mall the other day. I bet you didn't know that. Matt's having a lot of fun with this one. Utah brings Riker and Troy her vegetarian dish, and Troy hella wingmans and makes an excuse to leave them alone. Uh, Every time Utah says something like, I've never been very good at conversation, Riker gets a bigger concern rod in his jumpsuit. (laughs) 
In sick bay, Crusher discovers it was a microvirus that killed this old man, but a very specific one targeting like his family or his clan or whatever. Riker gets in his chair all weird, so it's like he's <laughs> laying down. Yeah, I said he goes to lay in his thinking chair because we've never seen this behavior before. He shouts at Data for doing his job and then Utah shows up to like lay it down proper. But she doesn't do it good and it makes Riker grumpy. So the night's ruined. Yeah. The ship starts shaking because bro, Chorgon is shooting at them. Picard does his usual thing and uh, gets the Enterprise shot 20 times and then barely shoots Chorgon and scares him into hailing them. Picard, Marouk, and PMKR beam over to negotiate with Chorgon, who is suspicious, but Picard gets them chatting. Back on the Enterprise, Dr. Crusher, Data, and Riker make more progress on this microvirus. They discover another person who died of it, uh, who was of the same clan as the old guy, the Lorax clan. And Chorgon is of the same clan as well. They also discover that uh, that clan had butchered the Cholestra clan. Cholestra? Is that what you said it was? Yeah, that's Trillestas, but that's fine. <laughs> the Cholestra clan generations ago. They also used some sci-fi tech to pull Utah's face out of a photograph from the way before times. Oh yeah, Data pushes Enhance like five times. And it's the great thing where it's like, the computer is capable of uh, rendering the rest of her face from the small piece of her forehead. Like, yeah, okay. It's a, it's a real, it's a real, uh, oh god, Eamon Maritza? It's a real Eamon Maritza. I don't think it was Eamon. Uh, Riker is no longer concerned. He's moved on to, like, fully pissed off. Gives a great pissed off face on the bridge. Uh, he does, he really does betrayed face on the bridge. He beams... Which I thought was maybe because he just discovered he kissed an old? That's right. She, ah, she's old? Fucking gross. Nasty. Well, he beams over and starts shooting fools, and then he does a real weird Poirot, where he makes her confess in front of everybody and explain why she needs to kill. He also does not let Chorgon move to get out of danger. I was going to say, he begs her to stop moving toward Chorgon, who has made no attempt to flee or move at all. Well, he does, but Riker told him to sit perfectly still (laughs) because his life was in danger. It's so weird. Riker is really, at this point, Riker is really manufacturing a situation. Where he can. mm. For his own purposes. Yeah, well, Riker pointlessly shoots her to death. When, like, he probably didn't need to vaporize her. He stuns her, her and then he stuns her a little more. But neither time does she lose consciousness, so then he just puts her on setting 16. Super deliberately slowly looks down and goes, beep, 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 and turns it up to 16. And then takes a shot where. Oh, I'm glad you saw this. If she steps one step to the right I'm instead, glad he you saw this. Picard. Yes, <laughs> I have it in my notes that Picard is yeah. very calmly sitting there. He is directly behind that woman getting turned to ash. He makes no reaction. I would have ducked behind that table and gone, "What the hell? Hey, if my you head's back here." I know no one knows how phasers work and how you aim, yeah. but like, you could have killed me. <laughs> now Picard just sits there calmly and watches her get vaporized. Doesn't say much at all. Except that Riker probably has a very good explanation. No one says anything. Riker turns and walks away and stares at who knows what, because we've never seen that side of that room. That's right. He's staring basically at us. Does not leave right away. Just goes and stands and stares. Chorgon comes over and pats him on the back, and he's like, I fucking owe you one, buddy. (laughs) And then then we just cut to the ship. Then he's real sad and 10 forward the end. Yeah. Hey, though. 
this one was pretty fun. What, what was it about? Uh, okay, so you can't just tell someone that they can be whatever they want to be and undo their past. Okay. Like, this is a Riker story. Yeah. And it's about how he thinks he can talk this girl out of being a servant and, like, you know, make her give meaningful consent and also <laughs> not try to please him like he's her master. But please him in all the other ways. And he's also, to- like, fully not paying attention when she keeps talking about how there is a she she is walking a specific path. Yeah. And there's nothing she can do about like she definitely feels like a prisoner of circumstances but he doesn't care at all to investigate it and discover that those circumstances are not the ones he thinks they are nah bro he's investigating something else uh here's the thing wesley learned this lesson last year but i guess that didn't make an impression on Riker (laughs) because he's got hurt feelings about it now yeah Uh, uh i think there's a version of this story that could that could be real resonant if it were about like privilege but instead, it's kind of a film noir femme fatale episode, so they don't really bother to get into whether how how mobile you are and how much your life circumstances can change. Like, you can't just tell a servant, don't be a servant around me. Yeah, and I was going to say, your your take could also be applied to the gatherers. The Maruk yeah, this is, is true also. Maruk is spending a lot of time trying to convince them that they can just like come and be part of this great society and just fit into society and don't do don't be stupid, just fit into society and stop yeah. drinking. It's bad. Uh having said that, I don't think that they took a nuanced or interesting version of this take. I only gave it four points for a premise. I went with the uh, It might be worth more than that. I'll have to I'll have to think. what's your take? Uh, old enmities only stand in the way of a brighter future. Um, you know, everybody could just like Picard gets these people into a room and talking in like three minutes. Yeah, this is the thing that Chorgon and Maruk both come to realize, but Yuta doesn't. But Yuta doesn't. But it pl- it applies. Like she could like yes. just like enjoy her life and not be a victim of circumstances and not feel trapped and not my path is perfectly clear. Like you could just you know maybe go on vacation. Yeah, well, I mean, you ever also, heard of that? The last of the Trelestas, so like, you ain't got to answer to nobody. Yeah, so just go stand on the asteroids with Wesley Crusher or whatever. That's right. You can, you can see, you'll see all of these one day. <laughs> Riker will bring you a big bowl of chocolate pudding. Who cares? Yeah. So I call this straight down the line track. I gave it a five. I'll keep thinking about whether I want it to be more than four points, but it seems like we're sort of similar here. Ben had it as a uh, six. He, and he's on sort of the same track as you. Mm-hmm. Eventually, even the most grievous wrongs must be put aside for the greater possibility of peace. He says it's not a new take, but it's not a bad reminder now and again. Yeah, and honestly, normally I give more points for being obvious, but I just I felt like this was so so average. Oh, it's not only, but it, here's the thing: it's it's obvious, but also it's like n- no nobody nobody contests this idea that's what i'm saying it's just so nobody thinks that a there's like i don't know maybe there are some west virginia blood feud still going on <laughs> it's right. been going on for 200 years but like basically this is not real yeah this is uh this is a pretty tepid take <clears throat> um uh, he's a six on execution too by the way okay i guess he liked uh, this one yeah he he does ask how those two scientists from the beginning are doing it's a good question. We do never get back. Crusher probably gets so 
caught up in a, her medical mystery that she doesn't care. We already know she's less of a physician and more of a researcher. Yeah. He says the plot slowly rolls out, but it's paced okay, and no one is too stupid or too smart. Uh, and then uh, 53 years old and she hasn't aged a day is a silly statement, but he it does make it seem like that's what Riker's worried about, that he was attracted to an old lady. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, and also very silly that no one just tackles Utah at the end. Yeah, it is a big problem. There is absolutely no reason Utah had to die. Yeah, her microvirus only will kill Chorgon in that room. Everyone else can touch her, so just, like, yep. restrain her. Maruk? Maruk's a big girl. She could just <laughs> go grab her. Just put her in a yeah, bear hug. That's again. all you need. Riker just has to get over there. Or, by the way, just have her beamed out. Just Riker could just say that. Oh, transporter code. over there at all. Transporter code, the one that doesn't blow her up. Riker <laughs> just beams in, yeah. right? And then immediately cold stuns a guy. And then, he could have just said, uh, Riker to Picard, stand by, and then beamed Utah out, and then beamed over and explained what happened. <laughs> that would have been enough. So anyway, this is crazy because Marjan just saw this on TV a couple weeks ago. And she said she only saw the end, but she was just like, why did he kill her, though? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Why did he kill her, though? There were about 10, so he could be sad later in 10 forward is why he killed her. But like, I just assume they, the writers could not come up with a situation where he actually needed to. I just assume it's a, it's a Christmas party situation and he has to get rid of her because she knows things about his weird dick. I mean, that's what it comes off as being right. Like get rid this of lady's her. not trustworthy. I'm act on her. I better get rid of her. I, I got to do a murder. Uh, I gave it a three on execution. I think I know where this episode really falls apart. And it's as soon as Riker beams over and starts shooting people. (laughs) Yep. Everything from there is really dumb for real. The rest of the episode is just average dumb. Um, The take is executed fine. There's the standard petty mistrust between the two groups, but Picard calmly talks them into a place where they can come to an agreement. Uh, Ages old anger from having your whole family butchered that shows up and really threatens to mess up these negotiations. Uh, But also not super interesting characters or disputes, dumb future tech. So the assassin can be like an old, but still tight young thing. Oh yeah. And a ridiculous romance angle. Couldn't have Riker fall in love with an old woman. Or um, just not do that part of it at all. Or just leave that part out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, just it only it. matters to make it sad that Riker's the one who has to kill her. <laughs> yeah, so just a three for me. Too, too, too much stupid plot nonsense. Uh, I want to say one thing to counteract that, which is that I thought I felt like all of the politics in this one is good. About the... Um... All, all of the Maruk stuff, I liked. You mean the, it all moves too fast because it's TV. Like their negotiations. Yeah, but like, but also like everyone's reasonable. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Brule sends his men out of the way before he gets down to business. Uh, they they reach a consensus. Chorgon, you could tell that Chorgon is willing to talk. Like, yeah, even his bluster is revealed to be just that. Yeah, like the idea of not. Uh, being the a gang of raiders living in a subway in Fallout 4 is good for him. <laughs> like He's like, yeah, hey, maybe. Maybe we don't have to do facial scarification anymore. Right. Uh, so that that offsets the all of the dumb Riker story. And there are a few nice character touches in this one, uh, but I also feel like 
uh, Brule picking on Wesley is one antagonist too many in the story. Well, and then it's weird because then, like later on, Wesley's like, "Why are you such a dick?" And then we get a whole weird rant from Brule about, "You don't know my fucking circumstances." I got two sons, and it's like, "What is this about? What are we doing? Why is this part of the plot?" Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, then I wrote that the music in this episode is obvious and vulgar. <laughs> are there some love themes playing? I uh, there's a lot. A lot of stuff happens. Uh, I gave it a four on the whole. Okay. I really kind of just want one half of this where Picard has to reunite this race because he's sick of them stealing his shit. Sick of beating up researchers and stealing from them. Like, there's a wonderful arrogance here where Picard is like, Oh, yeah. Listen, these fucking gatherers, I bet we can solve this fucking problem. I bet we can. I know that there's a whole, there's a whole society here. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go in there and kind of bring my huge, heavily armed ship and tell Maruk, hey, you guys busted up my lab. You're going to do something <laughs> your, about it. Your son bit me. Hey, that's right. And I want to know what you're going to do about it. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I kind there's, of would have just liked that episode. There's a lot of arrogance that's in TNG that you don't, no one really talks about until DS9 and Voyager and stuff when aliens talk about their arrogance. Yeah. And it's all based on you, all the stuff that happens in TNG where you're right. Where, you got to think about it for a minute and go, oh, yeah. Where Picard goes... I bet we can solve this ages-old dispute in under a week. Like, I guarantee it. <laughs> like, I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but... I guarantee we can do this. And you're right, he just shows up, and this little old lady, and she's like, Oh, you look pretty strong, why are you here? And he's like, fucking come and solve your shit. Well, and Picard You're gets coming lucky. with me, come on my ship, we're going. Be- Picard gets super lucky because it seems like Maruk is going to do a good faith version of this. Yeah. Like, she's like, all right. You know what? I would like to have this on my list of achievements that's, or whatever. That's right. So she's going to... And then they get double lucky because both Brule and Chorgon are reasonable people. Yeah. So he he got real lucky with this one, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, they're just like pranks. They're not so bad. Oh, world building. Yeah. First of all, Ben's a five. Dang. Uh, I know five doesn't sound that good. I shouldn't react like that. He doesn't think Chorgon looks like a real renegade because he's a little bit soft, but who knows how long he's been at the top. This could be, you know, that first king in Game of Thrones. Yeah, King Robert. Got real fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, uh, he, 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 it's been a while since he's been on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, Riker turning up the heat on the phaser looks like he really is just setting the power up to like 20, so it's not just stun or kill. Yeah. Yeah. I think 16 is the highest mm-hmm. on that phaser. We got that from one of them uh, tech manuals. From either the tech manual or uh, something that came along with the toy. It could be. Possibly. <laughs> it's true. We did Hard have phaser to toys. Uh, but 16 is supposed to be able to blow away like 60 cubic meters of rock. So it's a wild setting to use against a person. That's why it's wild that no one even moves when he vaporizes or no reaction. Uh, Fucking waiting for the a, CGI to happen. I'm not a five on world building. I'm a three. Okay. Uh, we have uh, the microviruses. We see the computer do that uh, enhance <sighs> yeah. technique. But here's the thing. Clearly Data can do it too. <laughs> yeah. Because he saw that same piece of forehead and he's like, well, that's Utah, who he's I like, don't know if I've seen. Yeah, he, I think he kind of gave a, you better come see this on it too. He he's, did, yeah. He's, he's like, like, yeah, but I check that I've, one out. I believe I've solved the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys, check it out. Guys, check it out. Guys, check it out. Guys, check it out. Yeah. I did that in my brain. Yellow. Uh, and then, you know, the long-term effect of phaser stuns, which is what those scientists are suffering from. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so 
you know, there's a little bit happening here. I gave it the standard three, but it's not. This is not a world building episode. Wait a minute. Hold on. If those guys got phaser stuns was what they were suffering from. What was that bloody knife? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Who did get stabbed? <laughs> Someone blood? got stabbed. But the stabbed. blood was Akamarian. Oh, that's a good point. They must have been trying to defend themselves and they were knifed yeah. up. Maybe they pulled a knife off of one of those gatherers. Interesting. And knifed a dude. That's true. Okay. Uh, I was in the same boat. It's a three. Um, the that's other- a good question, though. What's the deal with that bloody knife? They never investigate that part. Um, well, it's not clear, by the way. So we know they saved two scientists, but we don't know how many was there. Could have just been two. Yeah. That's Star Trek. The whole Akamar gathers split and all the history behind it. The Harami cluster, where there are M-class planets, but the Federation uh, has not explored or settled them. Uh, Parthas Alayuta. Why is that in world building? I don't know. Uh, did you say Rajelian phaser rifles? Which data? Uh, I didn't fucking write it down, but I know they're not as good. Data pissed on them a lot. She said they were pretty fucking shitty. Um... Yeah, but that was just for comedy, so that they could then shoot a barrel right next to Data, and then they could go, I don't know, I don't want to get hit by him. Uh, the different clans. Um, it's interesting to see how these guys act as compared to the Sovereign and her crew. They're like dumb frat guy stereotypes, but at least they're different enough. Um, bioengineered microviruses targeting a specific clan. Typical nonsensical sci-fi face identification and extrapolation technology. I could see a two, but I gave it a three. Uh, How are you on characterization? Ben's pick of the week. Hi, I'm Ben's pick of the week. I fucking put in... Enterprise background noise. Enterprise D background sounds under that. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what that noise is. But now it occurs to me it just sounds like Ben was recording in the wind. That's what I was going to say. It's like, man, where did he fucking record that? Uh, ben gave it a seven on characterization. And of course, that makes this episode his pick of the week. Six, six, five, seven. That's a good score. It is a good score. Uh, tw- 24? Uh, I did math. That's a 24, yeah. He likes the bit where Data opens the door that Worf struggles with. Mm. Uh, Riker's very on form, hitting on that lady like he's got no shame. Yeah. He thinks Wesley does a pretty good job of dealing with the bully. Well, he knows um, not to engage. He liked uh, He liked the gatherers. He uh, There's a moment where Yuta comes and brings... Uh, Riker her special bok choy and uh, Troy like glances at him and then bows out of the whole thing yeah so that's a good touch obviously and uh, Riker's super willing to vaporize an old bitch yeah this is not Riker's first murder we do know that about him he's actually um, kind of a like a crazed murdering fool and uh, phaser phasers is how he likes to do it no he's not getting his hands dirty no so he's a seven. Uh, where are you? I'm somewhere below a seven. Uh, let's go through it. Picard hella bullies this lady into doing some diplomacy she's not at first really into. Then he dad yells at these drunken frat guys. <laughs> and it hella works. It's true. Like, oh, it's, he's hella mad. Oh shit, we fucked up. He decides to go to Chorgon's ship. We haven't had authority in a while. That's why we're like this. Oh, we, we really need us to be told our business. We crave discipline. We'll, we'll, we'll fall in line, sir. 
He decides to go to Chorgon's ship despite all the shooting that was just happening and gives Riker a real reassuring pat on the arm, as if to say, hang in there, big guy. This episode's not about me and I am safe. <laughs> then after Riker murders his girlfriend, he tries to cheer him up in Ten Forward with a lot of talk about shore leave. Him? She's been talking about it for a week. Yes, I know. Shore leave. It's the first time I've ever said those words. Um, Riker. <laughs> has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic. Captain. Sorry, Troy. <laughs> the doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. You've been talking about it for days. Sure leave for the crew. <laughs> Right? It sounds like oh, he's a fucking dialogue monster. It sounds like he's never said those words out loud. This is his first try. Surely. Is that how it's pronounced? I've only seen it written. Uh, let's see. Riker pretending to beam out as part of an ambush was pretty sick. Um that blonde has his beef cooking for sure. And as I've been saying for weeks, Riker hates slavery and servitude, but loves the wet nannies of slaves and servants. Hey, nanny nanny. <laughs> Riker is so fucking aggressive. He just walks up to this chick and starts laying it on her. Hey, this is her job. He is fucking wild. He is very upset when they see Yuta in that photo. And you're right, it might be because she's old. And he really... I mean, okay, if not, he shouldn't have said immediately before that she hasn't aged a day. <laughs> it sounds like she's old on purpose to be mean to him. And he really just murders this girl while everyone watches and nobody says anything or tries to intervene. I bet he won't shut up about it on the bridge later, though. I'll never love again, etc., etc. Probably. Other people were in this episode, but I don't know how much characterization was done. Uh, it was a three for me. Uh, Riker is brutally naive if he thinks he can talk Yuta out of the class system she's living in. Mm -hmm. And he's real lucky no one asks questions about her death. <laughs> uh, Crusher is tireless in pursuit of her medical mystery Which no one but she cares about She's the only one who cares uh, Brule is like, he's old <laughs> You've seen him I mean, he was, Take his boots, eat him, I don't care He was fucking 80, who gives a shit Who gives a shit uh, Obviously nice touch with Troy bowing out at dinner And I thought that the work Picard is doing with Shoreleaf Where he's kind of hinting at it but as soon as Riker's like oh, I'll be I'll, I'll pass that on to the crew Picard just leaves yep I thought that was well done yeah like uh, I don't know this doesn't have anything to do with me I think we're supposed to think I really think the Rikers uh, the writers intended us to think that Riker is super cool and now he's now he's hurt yeah like, but he had to ice her and now he's hurt but hit I gave this a six. It would have been better. Whoa. If not for Riker. Yeah, I would have given this a six if Riker wasn't in it. <laughs> like, the Picard part was good. I liked Picard, Troy Crusher, Wesley's not bad in this one. Data doesn't say anything, really. I mean, Data the, big dogs with the door. But you're right. He hasn't been saying much lately, and I've really been enjoying that. That's really great. At it's some so point, great that's going to end. Does a, does a little bit of tech business and then shuts up. At some point, this whole show is going to become the Data and Worf show, and yeah. um, the Worf part will be fine, and the Data part will be a real fucking problem. And then even the Worf part will be bad when Alexander's around. The Worf part will be melodramatic and overwrought, but yeah. it'll be better than the Data part. Yeah. What it, What are dreams? <laughs> What are they? What are they? Okay. And and what are they? And if you have a dream, 
Does that make you a person? You'll find out. You know what? It's a five. It's not a six. I just, to, I mean, look, uh, there was a lot of enjoyable stuff. This was the best episode of the week in terms of enjoyment of watching it. It's just that Riker is such an insano in this. He is. And, uh, you know, good, good for him to not want her to act like a servant. But, like, she is a servant and you are interrupting her at her at work yeah. and just hitting on her and she can't leave. And also she may be conditioned to say yes to things. So yeah, you may exactly. not be able to get an honest answer out of her, bro. So maybe you should understand some of this and just mack on some ensign somewhere. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I see like one step better than Kirk. Mm. Kirk fucks that girl who was sent to him <laughs> and he knows she was sent to him. Yep. He just wants to make sure it's not somehow a trap. Like a death trap. Yes. Just this is a trap somehow. You got razor blades in there or something? She's, no? Okay. She's like, no, I really, really want to please you. He's like, good, because I want that too. Let's, All right, then. Let's do that. Uh, you're lucky I was already hard. <laughs> yeah, you or Ben have quick ones? I got some. Uh, data put in Worf on Strength Blast. Riker, they beam down, and Riker sees that Mad Max scaffolding, and immediately he's like, I'm climbing that bitch. <laughs> That's right. Like, I don't know why he thought that was safe to do. He doesn't get out much. Uh, Worf's a racist. <laughs> what else is new? Doesn't think much of these gatherers, for sure. Um, Wesley didn't get any of those math words quite right. Hey. Wesley's math homework? That guy was distracting him. He didn't say it all. He didn't say it all too good. Was, I don't think he knows what that means. That guy was very distracting. He farted on his orgo book. Like, the, whoever wrote that, those are that's all math terms. That's something that someone could be studying in pretty advanced math, but uh, not the way he said it. <laughs> uh, do you think, Matthew, that Riker, Picard, Marouk, and Brule all being in 10 forward is really ruining some astrophysics ensign's evening? <laughs> I know, right? Like, you definitely can't tell a nasty story with the whole chain of command hovering around. Like, normally... Jordy's about as big as it gets. Maybe Data, but who cares? Data's just interested in everything. I definitely get the feeling Jordy spends a lot of depressing evenings in there. Yeah. But, you, you know, when Picard and Riker and some alien queen and the leader of another faction are all there, it's like, it's not a fun night, No, is my guess. Only if you're an ass kisser, like, what's his name who's going to go talk about how he's from Canada or whatever? I got the vibe in this one that Riker's like one of those dudes who puts guaranteed three orgasms in his tinder bio <laughs> like he's definitely gonna get her off is he the kind of guy who says that he was ardent for 45 minutes so if she no, didn't have right, a good yeah. time she should go to a doctor uh, he's a real ronald reagan yes yeah. that's exactly correct uh it seems like that second stun blast hit her pretty hard will how about another couple of those yeah just bring her to her knees and then like we all said just like maybe bro Maybe Brol can hold her back, or Marouk, or yeah. just beam Chorgon out of there with your transporter. There's only 100 other ways to do this. Maybe 500. Or beam Muta out, or, I mean... <laughs> the possibilities are almost... Turn your communicator endless. into a force field and put it around her. <laughs> uh, bring Worf or Data over with you, someone who can grab her. Maybe You grab her, that would work. Maybe bring anyone know. with you at all. It was a real weird one-man commando mission. Just keep stunning her until you get close enough to grab her. It just seems like there's so many ways you could do this without killing her. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I wrote, uh, did uh, did the scientists ever wake up? No one knows. 
I gave, but you didn't even know that they were alive. I so. thought they were dead because I never saw them yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gave best actor in this one to Maruk. I thought she did good work. I especially liked when she got mad. And then she's like, oh, whoops. I shouldn't be so mad. Yeah. And uh, I gave worst actor to Worf when he said, all they understand is this as he holds up his dust buster. <laughs> like, I don't think they've he seen that model. not know anything about these people. Worf, I don't think they've seen this model. Yeah, or if they don't know what that is, theirs look like guns. That's right. Uh, ben, Ben's quick hitters. He says when Yuta comes to see Riker in his quarters, they do a weird porno entrance camera angle. I did not notice that. And then he says, I may be a little starved for good writing slash acting, but this one really helped. And that's the end of the sentence. So <laughs> he trailed off. I'm, I'm honestly not sure what he meant by that, but it's whatever it was. It was a passing thought. Hmm. Uh, I got some. I should hope so. I think the only reason I'd ever try to pry open some, like, elevator doors in real life is because I've seen Worf and Data do it. <laughs> it's the only reason you would think it could be done? Yeah, not because I think it would work. Just because, like, I don't know. I've seen them try it. Uh, yeah, these guys are just frat guys. They want to drink some beer. And I heard one guy say, I said drink all of it, asshead! <laughs> but, but then Picard yells at them, and they're like, I'm sorry, sir. Um... Picard for sure knows what's up when Yuta asks the Sovereign if she can go cook for Riker. Oh, yeah. Picard's like, ah, he's at it again. Sure, leave. Yuta <laughs> uh, cannot feel pleasure or passion, she says, but I guess she can feel horny and that real how, trembly kind of sad. How do you think Picard feels about Riker? Like, does he... Does he look down on it all as uh, beneath him, or does he like secretly wish he oh, could be that way? He envies him for sure. Okay, all right, yeah, just checking. Yeah, he he certainly when Riker says that he thought he had seen a woman before in uh, I thought I had in the cargo bay, and Breno Odell just floods her skirt. Yep. Uh, Picard certainly does not look displeased by this turn of events. No, no. He's probably inside. He's like, that's the coolest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, bro. He did a Han Solo right there. <laughs> he, did a, he did a fucking Han Solo. <laughs> um, No, dude, for sure. Here's what's happening. He tells everyone he can't date anyone because it's not cool for the captain to be in relationships of any kind. And he even half believes it himself. But he doesn't mm -hmm. all the way believe it. He is for sure, part of him is like, he knows he just doesn't have the confidence with women. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, like I said, Utah can feel horny and that real trembly kind of sad. She just can't feel pleasure or passion. Um, okay, so we've obviously already had a lot to say about that last scene, but my favorite part was the part we already talked about where Picard was just sitting there. <laughs> just in the fucking path of that murder beam. Waiting for the CGI phaser to do its thing. Not at all worried about his little old bald dome. No, it's like... I, I know they should have a squib. Like, if they had made the phaser make a pop sound or something, at least they could have a squib that someone could react to. That's right. Because they just sit there and, like, Riker lifted the phaser, and at some point the beam is going to come out, but and on the TV there will be a beam and a beam noise, and it'll do whatever it's going to do. But in real life... That actress just stood as still as she could while that yes. while Riker pointed that thing at her. And then at some point, the director said, cut. Yeah, not only do they not know when the phaser's going to go off, but they have all been asked to stay exactly still so the CGI guy can have an easier job. So it's, it's like... like they, 
They nothing. rotoscope the lightsaber effect in Star Wars, but there are real sticks that those guys are hitting together, which yeah. is why it can look like, you know, there's a physical action taking place. Yep. Picard is not good at CGI acting. Nope. He may not have understood what was happening. It's fine. <laughs> it's possible that he didn't. When do I get to say more Shakespeare? <laughs> That's all I have. Prospero said a thing that I want to quote here. Data, what do you need to understand about, um, which one are we doing? Is it one of the Henrys? What you need to understand about the king is that he's a real, a real human man with... <sighs> the winner last week was, uh, TOS. Mm. This week we watched Spock's Brain. The Enterprise is following a pod through space at red alert. It has one life form aboard, and uh, she is revealed to be a handsome woman when she beams over. Oh. She pushes a button on her fancy bracer and knocks everyone out, and when they come to, McCoy calls Kirk down to sick bay because Spock, who had been on the bridge, is on an operating table on total life support, and his brain has been surgically removed. <laughs> yeah. Finally, the good Star Trek begins. Kirk asks how long Spock can stay on life support. And when the best McCoy can do initially is for a while. And so Spock, Kirk says, well, then I guess we should take him with us when we go to find his brain. So Scotty, you work on a way to make that happen. Yeah. And then McCoy says, all right, but uh, if it's more than 24 hours, forget about it. He's on a 24-hour clock, the whole thing is. It's a very exact, specific 24-hour clock. They're counting down by the minute. Um, And it doesn't matter, because they use 15 of those hours up just following the ship Ion Trail to Sigma Draconis. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are three Class M planets in the system. They can't tell where they went. None of them has a civilization capable of creating the ship, but Kirk pulls a hunch, and they go to the least advanced one, which is in an Ice Age, because there's a big energy reading there. There you go. A group of giant pageboy cavemen spots them. And since there's no prime directive this week, they stun one with a phaser for questioning. Uh, Because the away team is small, the cavemen believe that they are the others, the givers of pain and delight. I guess they didn't notice those were all chicks. Uh, Well, it turns out they have no concept of male or female. Right. But he's... This guy is dead afraid of these others. He won't take them to the cave where they live. He just won't. They do, however, find a cave with what appears to be a lure in it. It's got, like, a couple of good axes and some food. I've seen those axes. Those were definitely not made of styrofoam. And everybody looks at each other and goes, so this is a trap. (laughs) Yes, they're very smart in this one. And then they just decide who's going to trigger the trap. Yep. So Chekhov and the two security men stay above and no longer factor in the episode. While Kirk springs the trap and he and McCoy and Scotty and remote-controlled Spock... Yeah, RC Spock! ...take this elevator down to a series of underground tunnels where Kirk stuns a lady. Mm -hmm. They take her bracer, they start to talk to her, but she's no smarter than the cavemen. Yeah. She... She can tell that these that these old boys, that they're not Morg or I-Morg. And that's it. That's basically all she can tell. 
Yeah, she doesn't know where Spock's brain is. She doesn't know what the word him means. She doesn't even really know what the word brain is. No. Although, not to the extent that the later woman will. <laughs> yeah, it's not the brain what is brain, lady. Yeah. Uh, Scotty makes contact now with Spock's brain on a communicator. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know, the brain doesn't know where he is, but they decide they're going to try to find him. Anyway, here comes the woman from the ship, and she's still got that bracer, and she knocks them all out again. They wake up in a conference room. Wearing some very silly belts. Uh, the woman from the ship doesn't seem to remember stealing the brain. She doesn't seem capable of stealing a whole brain. Uh, they're all very happy to point out that though these women would not be capable of this. Yes. Uh, and she tells them, uh, I guess you're free to go. But Kirk... Uh, Kirk has to find Spock's damn brain. So he says, no, let's, we're going to stay and learn about you. Mm-hmm. And they uh, try to ask her a bunch of questions. She can't answer any of them. She's very childlike. But at some point, someone says the word control. Yeah. And because this is Star Trek, that's a trigger. And they start talking about the controller, which they are forbidden to see. And of course, they immediately realize, well, Spock's brain is this dumb society's new <laughs> landrew. That's right. Right. Uh, they get some pain rays in their guts, uh, but, and then the, the leader woman goes to talk to the controller to figure out what to do. Kirk and McCoy and Scotty get in a fist fight with their, um, morgue guards. Yeah, they do that. That's the cave, the cavemans. They do that really cool thing where they huddle up and pretend like they're having a cool conversation, but the plan is just to karate chop and stuff. It's just a bunch of, do a bunch of chops, do a bunch of chops and kicks, which this week McCoy and Scotty are both good at. Yeah, not like when they were glad, not like when McCoy was a gladiator or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, they get in contact with Spock again with their communicator. He's pretty pessimistic about the ability to have his brain restored, but he sends them a homing signal they can follow anyway. So they follow him. They walk in on Kara. She hits them with another powerful ray, but Mm -hmm. Kirk pushes through it because of his love for Spock and uses the remote control to have Spock's body walk over and... (laughs) I like push how they, the button on her bracer that disables their devices. They, I like how they, she put the pain belt on RC Spock, too. She didn't know what she was doing. No, it doesn't affect him. Nope, He's he, got no brain. He didn't care. He's like a bomb squad robot. And Kirk's got a four-button remote that looks like it's made out of Legos, but it's good <laughs> enough to get Spock to walk over and push a specific button. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. It's pretty good piloting. I really I fucking love You know what? I said the other one was my favorite one of the week. Maybe this one was my favorite one of the week. Uh, Kara, uh, at this point protests because removing Spock's brain will doom her people. She says there won't be another controller for 10,000 years, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the reason she was able to do it before, but she's so dumb now is because she put on a special helmet to learn some skills, but they didn't stick. She's forgotten them. Uh. She doesn't even know how to remove the damn brain. So of course they put the device on, they forced the device onto her head. And there's some humming, and suddenly she's smart again and a little bit mean. Yeah. Also, she was hiding a phaser in her coos, I guess, because now she's got them all at gunpoint. Like, it's not clear where that phaser of hers came from. She's wearing the standard mini dress. Yes, it's it's not clear how she got the weapon, but you're right when you point out she was kind of mean, as if the writers are like, smart women are mean. A little bit. That's yeah. how it but works. Listen, there's some misogyny at work in this episode. <laughs> Just a little. Uh... 
anyway, it doesn't seem like she's super smart because Scotty distracts her briefly by just going like, oh, and then Kirk <laughs> grabs the phaser right back from her. By the way, my eyes were off the screen when that happened. And I heard the noise and I looked up and all the action had started already. And I was like, well, who made that noise? What was that? So I'm thank you for telling me that was Scotty. Yeah, Scotty just pretended to faint. Okay. And she just looked over and Kirk grabbed the phaser. It worked. Uh, and by the way, that's the, it's perfectly reasonable that that's what would have happened because I, I feel like Kirk and crew have done that trick about 50 times. Absolutely. In the 56 episodes. So that Scotty didn't even have to make eye contact with Kirk to know to do it. The crew of the Enterprise is like a, a basketball team without any really good players, but they've played together for like a long time. And uh, they just, they get it done and they win 48 games a year and no one can figure out why. But it's just because they know what the fuck's going on with each other. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Uh, anyway, it turns out the knowledge from the teacher, which is the name of the helmet, lasts uh, three hours. Oh, okay. And McCoy thinks that's enough time to return Spock's brain to his body. But this woman ain't going to do it. And so McCoy thinks, you know what? I'm a doctor already. Maybe if I wear this thing, I'll be able to retain it. Okay. Uh, Spock thinks that's a crazy idea because this device was made for aliens. Yeah. But McCoy is pretty excited about the possibility of picking up some new surgical techniques. And Kirk wants Spock back, so they take the chance. The helmet gives McCoy a headache and crazy eyes, but he does seem to know how to do the dang thing. He kind of starts with crazy eyes. Although his knowledge doesn't last quite long enough. Anyway, at this point, Kirk goes to address this woman's concerns and she's like, yeah, we're definitely dooming your society, but um, you can just go to the surface and live with the men. Anyway, you'll learn how all about it. Just go watch the Apple. It's I'm basically giving you the same advice. Yeah, go watch this other episode where I told them they were going to have a great time figuring out how it all works. I'm putting right a technological horror here, so it's cool. <laughs> you guys can all go live in the fucking glacial age on the surface. <laughs> right. Or you guys can use whatever you can down here, but like, you ain't going to have any power or anything, so... Your children and their huge children, and they hate you, but you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, Bone starts to forget. And he's not cool at all about it. No. He does not handle it well. Uh, Kirk helps him to use his own skills and techniques and also gives him the very cool advice to just hook up Spock's vocal cords and then Spock can help. Yeah, they had a and, great um, understanding of how medical science worked. This is Star Trek, so that totally works. They do some wiggle your fingers shenanigans and at the end of the procedure, Spock seems more or less normal, though very, very chatty. Jokes, 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 end of episode. They're hooking up his vocal cords and he does a lot of like uh, vocal warm-up. He's like going, nah, 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 nah. Okay, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I can talk. You're just like, yeah, you've got it now. Did you guys even rehearse this? What is this? Then, by the way, McCoy is hooking up millions of neurons, and he's like, and Spock's like, okay, right index finger. And it's like, dog, that's not one. It's, it's not one thing you hook up. There's no way. Their understanding of it is not good. So, Matt, what's this episode about? Uh, there's a few things that Kirk says in this episode that could be the take. I picked one of them. Uh, no one should kill a man for any reason. In, the, <laughs> okay. in this case, even if you think you're saving your society, still not okay to kill a Spock. Uh, that's very basic and very trick and very obvious for me. It's a five. I went with uh, another possible direction here. Okay. Uh, reliance on technology is infantilizing. 
Yes, that was definitely another one. You know, like how no one knows how to get anywhere without their GPS, or like, um... Well, I got mm. news for you. In the mm. days before I had a GPS, I almost drove mm. into a cranberry bog. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, is I'm not sure the take is true. You know how many times I've driven into a cranberry bog, or even come close, since I had a cool smartphone? Zero times. Uh... This show is mostly a drama about Kirk trying to rescue his great friend, even if he has to upend a whole world to do it. <laughs> Which we know he does not care about. Uh, but I have to give them some credit for this fucked out sci-fi take. Okay. Even though it's it's already, again, Landrew, it's already an old take. Yes. Uh, it's even, this is much more extreme than Landrew. The people in Landrew were just noble savages, but in this one, they're dimwits for some reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're going harder every time. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we had the one where it was, uh, oh, God. Uh, what was, te- technology was going to steal our jobs or whatever. The M- the M- <laughs> ultimate computer. The ultimate computer, Turned out yeah. to be a murderer or whatever. <laughs> it's against the laws of God and man to kill, though, so. Well, that's a universal constant, I'm sure. I'm going to have to vaporize this fucking ensign, I guess. <laughs> um, I... The problem is it's an old take even for Star Trek. I could only give it four points. Okay. Even though it's a, it's definitely a sci-fi story about how over-reliance on technology is going to make us all children. But, eh. Yeah, and Ben was in the... If you, if you, look, if you, this is 20 years maybe after iRobot, and if you can't do better than iRobot... You wasted stop. 20 years? Yeah. You wasted 20 years. Exactly. Uh, Ben's kind of on the same path as you. Think for your damn self is his. Something like thinking for and providing for yourself is preferable to life as a sheep, even if it's harder. Uh, he says, fine, fine take, but they've done it like four times already. It's a four. So he's yeah. he's on the same page as you. Uh, he only gives it a one on execution. The planet side parts were pretty run-of-the-mill TOS, but the beginning where they're talking about searching for Spock's brain is just laughable. <laughs> How could a writer really put down such gems as, where are you going to look for Spock's brain? <laughs> Honestly, I even have to give the actors credit here. They did their level best. Equating women to givers of pain and delight doesn't age real well, and the ending with Spock reattaching his own brain via verbal instructions is too stupid. Yeah. Um, I didn't give it a one. I gave it a two. Okay. You were feeling much more charitable. Uh, Much more charitable. Uh, Whoever planned for this Ice Age had some opinions, huh? Let's put the women underground. They'll need a man's brain to run things, of course. Oh, also, they should wear mini dresses and go-go boots. Yeah. We had a run of, like, five Prime Directive episodes in Season 2, but that's off the fucking charts here. I know they have a spaceship, but, like, he's stunning cavemen. Oh, yeah. And, of course, here's another. You'll learn to live together after I destroy your entire civilization. Are they going to learn how to make steel? Because those people were making steel implements for the people on the surface. It's bad news for everybody. It's a bad scene. And also, this is the cheesiest and maybe the worst episode of Star Trek. How dare you? It's so cheesy. How dare you? I ought to give it a 10 just to show you. Poor fucking Leonard Nimoy has to walk around (laughs) with a blank expression on his face wearing a... What must have been the inspiration for Lobot. (laughs) I I loved R.C. Spock so much. I loved his hat. I loved his jumpsuit. He looked great. Yeah. I want to. Give, I'm gonna give. I should give it ten points on execution. Well, how many did you give it for execution then? I gave it four. Okay. The usual TOS subtractions apply here: racism, sexism, etc. 
etc. I actually thought of some of the base. Uh, actually, thought some of the basic ideas were interesting. Using living beings as your CPU, an advanced society flourishing underneath a primitive one, and their symbiotic relationship—a record of acquired knowledge that only a few have access to. <clears throat> but obviously, this episode did some other stuff. Yeah, it split up the men and the women, and did so in a way that was um, insulting. Why the ri- to everybody? Why the ridiculous ticking clock with crazy specificity? They're counting down to exactly twenty-four hours the entire time. But I sort of graded it on a curve because at least there wasn't an all-powerful entity, an alternate Earth, uh, one of Kirk's <laughs> old friends who fucked up an entire society for kicks, or any of the other tiresome season two tropes. Boy, I guess that's true. It was huh? like, we are in a new season, this is cheesy and dumb, but it is not season two anymore. So one behind-the-scenes note, and I know these make you uh, make your tummy hurt, Uh-oh. is that uh, there were big budget cuts. Okay. They had to do, they got to do season three, but they had to do it on the cheap. Well, you so. know what? They deserved big budget cuts. <laughs> it's true. They deserved outright cancellation. Mm-hmm. By the time they were doing Nazi Planet... I mean, really. Uh, it was a bad season. That was a, I mean, a really bad season of television. Um, world building. Uh, ion propulsion. S- standard interstellar symbols for communication. Spock lives despite not having a dang brain. So there's some kind of medical tech there. McCoy says he doesn't know how to put a brain back. And it makes sense that it hasn't really come up for him before. No, that's usually considered pretty lethal. A shit ton of aliens all breathe nitrogen, oxygen atmospheres. I guess that's why they call it standard. R.C. Spock. This dumb society with the morgue and the eye morgue and the cool brain that controls it all. Just a three for me. Let's see what else I have. Uh... Maximum speed is apparently warp six this week. God. Their uniforms have heaters in them. Okay, I missed that because I was like, they're talking about how cold it is, but they don't seem that cold. He says set suit heaters to 72 degrees. Damn. Those... And then they all reach behind their back and touch something we never see. That shit's hella efficient because those don't look like they're very bulky garments. No, but I guess it's not usually a problem. I don't think we've seen them be cold, except maybe in the naked time. This, where that happened they had to one. beam down those blankets to to Sulu. Oh yeah, Sulu was super cold on that one. Planet, Sulu was that sure. was early on. I don't remember what episode that was. Anyway, this week they have heaters in them. All right. There's all of that business with the industrial development scale. Oh okay. They're level eight, and that means eighteen fifty-two, and then the, this one's level twelve, and that's twenty-three ten, or you know, I forget how it all goes, but like, right? They have, but that's uh, that's standard in the same way the linguistic symbols. It's not. I like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and it's kind of stuff that you don't get a lot in TNG. That's true. Uh, and then I don't understand Vulcan physiology at all, like. <laughs> McCoy thinks that the only reason Spock's body survived until they made it to life support was because he's Vulcan, but also <laughs> he can only live for 24 hours on life support because his body really needs that big Vulcan, Vulcan brain more yeah. than a human would. But humans would like, be able to live indefinitely without a brain. 
It's like, what? Yeah, I know. What's the deal with Vulcan stuff? So uh, I gave it the standard three. Okay. Uh, Did we say Ben's a two? No, I don't think we said that yet. Robo Vulcans. God, I love that Medical science makes it possible to ambulate Spock's entire body. Yep. But they couldn't do better for Chris Pike than that scooter. (laughs) That terrible, gigantic scooter. Uh, they they peace out again before helping the woman adapt to harsh conditions on the surface. Uh, Kirk, I think, does say that they'll help for a while, but he doesn't stick around, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He's a zero on characterization. Whoa. He says, uh, it really looks like Dewan is wearing the hell out of that wig. I'm not sure what happened, but both Kirk and James Dewan look a lot older in season three than they did in season two. And I don't know what changed. You know, I was going to look back to see if either of us has ever given a zero in characterization, but then I just saw that you gave Coda a zero. <laughs> I just this week gave Coda a zero. So never mind. I, but that's because I don't think any of it's real. So never mind. Yes, we have. We have given a zero before on characterization. <laughs> he says everyone's directed to be a ham, so there's no real characterization that counts, etc. Um, I was a little rosier. I gave it as many as three. Scotty hangs around this whole episode. Like, he's on screen almost every minute of this episode. Yeah. All he did did that I could remember was he pipes up once to say that the women are pretty. That sounds like Scotty. That the women down on this planet are pretty. Yeah. Uh, McCoy super overacts after he puts on the teacher. Kirk is very fraught in this one, but otherwise normal. Spock is just on tape. Like, there's no... (laughs) It's very difficult to give points for anything that happens to Spock in this one, so it's a three for me. Um, and by the way, I kept looking. You have done it a few times. You've given zeros for characterization a few times. I have never done it. Um, You're more zero-averse than I am. Uh, Actually, I, I'm not sure that's true. I think you've no-taked more episodes. I know, ta- I I know take a shit ton of episodes. You know take more frequently than I do. I try much harder to fight a take out of an episode. I, I tried to early on, but these days I'm like, look, I spend all my fucking time finding a super disingenuous take that they definitely didn't mean. Yeah. Like, just to put something on paper. Um, Let me see if I can talk you up on characterization. How about some of these gems? Okay, let's hit it. Not only is Scotty rocking a new do, he is hard for ions. It is true, and it's so very sad if you know what ion propulsion even is. By the way, put that on a t-shirt. Scotty's hard for ions. Yeah, that is true. He's big into it. Uh, McCoy cares deeply for this devil man, despite all their sniping. Even risks his life to use the teacher toque. I called it a teacher toque. To learn brain replacement surgery. Sulu is racist and calls what these aliens built a design fluke. (laughs) Fucking asshole. Yeah. Props to Uhura for taking a step back and asking important questions. Kirk was so focused on chasing the aliens and didn't even stop to determine their motivation. She's the yeah. only one who's like, why did they take it, though? And he's like, I yeah, what do they want with Spock's brain. I hadn't even thought about it, actually. <laughs> I was just chasing. Uh, on the downside, our apish friends. Yikes. Yikes, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Also, he cannot understand the concept of a lady in charge. That dude was talking to him. I know. <laughs> like, I get that he doesn't have technology up there, and he doesn't seem to know what men and women are, but, like... It's not his fault. Come on, man, he's not an ape. 
And he's like, take me to your leader. I got to talk to him or whatever. And she's like, what's him? And he's like, these ladies are so dumb. Obviously, they have a male leader who I need to see him. Uh, excellent plan to punch and kick these big dudes. Almost all their plans are to huddle up and then punch. Um, Spock crushes McCoy, saying he only trusts him to remove a splinter or lance boils. Even though it's on tape. Um... I had it as a five. I'm going to keep it there, I think. The racism's not good that they all had. Yeah. But I guess it's in line. Well, do you have any quick hitters? Yeah. The love theme starts as soon as this Sheila beams over. How come Spock doesn't shout, A woman! when she beams over. It's a very good question. Um... She does caress everyone's skull and decides his is the best, though. <laughs> I thought they wrote a good line. <laughs> okay. It's all pointed out. Uh, Kirk says, you found him just like this? And McCoy goes, no, not just like this. Like, being unable to say more was actually kind oh, of that effective. That is true. The best, the, the best scene in this episode probably is the one where they go down to see Spock on the table. Cause he's like, uh, I could. Chapel also. Chapel doesn't have any lines, but she's pretty busted up in there too. Yeah, he's like, I could say more, but like, it'd be pretty dark. Um, unfortunately, bad line follows directly after, which they already, which Ben already talked about. In search of his brain, Doctor. <laughs> you go. Oh, all right. We're right back in it. Uh, McCoy was the first to say the name of the episode. He's the first to say the words in order. Spock's brain. Yep. Uh, Kirk at one point says schematic. So I guess that's where Franks gets it. Um, love the dramatic zoom on Robo Spock. The first time oh, you see him. It's so crazy. It's I just I find it so delightful. Why'd they take him out of his uniform and put him in that jumpsuit? They put him right in a cool jumpsuit because he's the bomb disposal Spock and he gets his own jumpsuit. Uh, Scotty stunt double alert during that fight <laughs> yeah. when he gets lifted onto some dude's shoulders. Mm. Again, I liked RC Spock being immune to that pain giver. How did they mess up so bad that that lady got that phaser? How did they mess up so bad? Well, did, she had them knocked out. Did, but literally at but some where, point did Kirk look down and go, did, oh, I don't have it anymore. Where did she, where was that phaser? Yeah. I mean, it really seemed like she pulled it out from under her skirt. It's crazy. Um, that's all I had. Uh, Kirk has a couple of real clunker lines when uh, they're trying to figure out which planet Spock's on. And Sulu says, if you guess wrong. And then Kirk says, if I guess wrong, Mr. Spock is dead. Then quietly, Spock will die. <laughs> he's, he's so great. I lo- uh, good old Shatner. I forgot that Spock's brain was also this dumb Battle of the Sexes episode where the men live above and the women live below. I forgot until the lady said, you are neither a morgue nor I morgue. And I went, oh, yeah, oh, I remember yeah. this. Uh, Spock looking like a less stylish Lobot here. <laughs> oh, cool. No one knows what ions are in this one. Oh. Uh, Kara, as an infant, delivers the very good line. Brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> it was so good. It was so Star Trek. 
Sulu gives a meaningless log entry in the middle of this one for people who forgot the plot during the Chevy Bel Air commercial they just saw. Mm-hmm. Like he does, a, he has a log which is very odd. It advances the plot not one bit. It just describes what's happening. Yeah, it's like, hey, what about what's going on on the Enterprise? And then they couldn't think anything going on up there, so they just had him recount what was going on down below. <laughs> then you pointed out Scotty's sc- stunt double, but at one point in this dumb fight, it looked like uh, Shatner actually delivered a drop kick. Yep, they had him doing his own stunts in this one. Yeah, I he was, was not he was not replaced for whatever reason. I watched it's the first episode of the season, so he could serpentine a little. That's right. I watched carefully to see if he would go stunt double too, and he never did. I gave a uh, best actor to Kara's turn after she puts the teacher on. Okay, when she comes back mean, she's cold as ice. And uh, worst actor to Luma, which was the name of the other woman, although I did not say it at all in the other thing. She wasn't so good. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Ben, quick hitters, uh, can we selectively dismiss this one from canon? This is one that would get kicked out, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Don't say his joke. I'm not, I didn't. Um, (laughs) and laser tag belts for pain control were pretty funny. Yeah, they were, they were pretty dumb. They looked like the, uh, Devo hats, but if they were attached to belts. Yes. So. Uh, hey, we're done. Oh, thank God. Not even a long episode, just felt long. I um, uh, I told you I was almost out of energy before we started, and yeah. uh, I used coffee and it didn't work. It wasn't enough. Oh, it wasn't effective? I ran out of juice. Okay. Uh, fifth place this week, loser this week, with 13 points, which is miserable. Yep. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The last place last week had 11 points. And the week before I had 16. So 13 is about a normal last place score, it turns Fucking out. Fucking these days, yeah. Voyager with Coda. Fucking Voyager, dude. What the f- When you only score two points for premise and three for characterization, you're in trouble. Bro, when is 7 and 9 going to get here? That's when everyone says it's good. I can't wait I, anymore. It had, good. it had better get better because it's so terrible now. So Voyager stays at a total of two wins out of 56. <laughs> Still shocking they have two. Incredibly poor. One of them was like week four. Yeah. Uh... In fourth place, or I should say in third place, because we have a tie again this week. Oh. We have TOS with Spock's Brain and Enterprise with Impulse, both with 29 points, which is below average, but not, like, awful. I scored Spock's Brain five points higher, so that's why it managed that yep. tie. I had one point higher on, on Impulse. Uh, in second place this week with 30 points, the which is... Half a point below average. The miserable vengeance factor. Yeah. The uh, winner this week, obviously, is Deep Space Nine. Uh, pretty good score. 41 points. That's always decent. Good score. Bad episode. Bad episode. Don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Have to watch part two next time. That's right. Um, they did, however, get a 17 in premise, which is... That's how you do uh, it. Basically the highest there's ever been. That's, and that's where this one comes from. That's how you do it. That's how you get the points. Uh, it's big sci again, big sci-fi addressing a current problem. They've moved it a little bit into the future to exaggerate it. Yeah. And they're gonna fix it, right? A taste of Armageddon got seventeen on premise. Um I'm trying to see if anything sure. got a big anti nuclear war episode. I don't think anything ever got higher. There were a couple of sixteens, but that was it. Seventeen has got that underline, which at fifty six episodes I think means only one other episode can be tied with it. Right, yeah. So, uh, no, the 16s have underlines too. Oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. Theoretically, it's the top 
Maybe it's the top 5% and that's why I don't remember. Uh, so, next week. Okay. Uh, that's DS9's 14th win, by the way. Enterprise has 4, uh, TOS has 17, and TNG has 19. You know, last week they gave up so many points. They gave up a lot of points to TOS last week. So they still haven't caught TOS because they really ate it last week, but at least they made some of it back up. Yeah, they're three wins and 11 points behind. Yeah. And uh, T- TNG is like 150 points ahead of TOS at this point. Yeah, they. I mean, I know there's a ton of episodes left, but they feel pretty safe, at least for the, for the near future, because I think the episodes are about to start getting good. Well, that's how we remember them. Season three and four are pretty good, and five's not too bad. It's season six and seven where they start to drop off, so. Yeah. Next week, we're watching The Enterprise Incident. The name is familiar. Which one is that? Do we know? Uh, Kirk and Spock become Romulans or disguise themselves as Romulans to go steal a cloaking device from Romulans. I'm excited by uh, the that. The Romulan commander's a lady. I'm totally into every part of that. Seems like it could be good. The last time we saw Romulans on TOS, it got 50 points. So There you go. Uh, however, speaking of Romulans, the defector, oh boy, probably my favorite episode. Let's both agree not to feel pressured to give it extra points because we always refer to it as the best episode. Yep. We'll see how it scores. Like yeah. the TNG is a bunch of surprises. Like all of a sudden we're giving justice a win. <laughs> right. Yeah. Brothers. <laughs> DS nine past tense part two. Okay. Voyager is blood fever oh i'm on i know what i know what it is unfortunately before it gets mad horny yeah yeah yes okay is balana involved too yes god damn it yeah it's not gonna be good voyager i already know in advance you're gonna be last place what's happening enterprise which is pretty comfortable in its third place slot right now it will be watching exile okay well could be anything who knows it's the expanse that's what we know. So that's what you should watch if you're playing along, Ben. Uh, ben, your notes were great this week. Keep up the good work. Um, next week, though, is some kind of mailbag. I bet we will have that's right. lots of audio content to go along with our mailbag content. But please, ma- please send us mail uh, in the form of tweets. Yeah, actually, at this point, the mail, uh, the uh, the Twitter component is fairly light. All right, well, then we need more. So. So that's at Brother Date. That's at B-R-O. P- please, God, don't make us think of something to do on these <laughs> off-week podcasts. My brain doesn't work anymore. This, thing, this Star Trek project is killing me. I mean, it's really hard. I should have watched a lot before this week. I watched them all on Monday and Tuesday. You know, maybe I'll just be a little, uh, a little quicker to no-take going forward because part of the delay is sometimes I'm just sleeping on an episode. Sometimes I just watch an episode and I'm like, well, I can't watch. I have to think about this. Yeah, it feels like you did it a couple of times this week. Yeah, sometimes it happens that way. Uh, so that's at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. You can go to BrotherDate.com and check out Landry. He's getting so robust. He's such a big boy. There's a lot of data packed away in Landry right He's now. He's really growing. He's, he's riding a skateboard these days. <laughs> that goes it's cool he was wearing cargo pants and shit he's taking showers on his own we don't have to do run a bath for him yeah, anymore it's pretty great actually this is a yeah. good stage to be in um and you can email us your weird audio clips that's brothers or brother or date 
at brother date anything at brother date is fine just uh the right any like any old thing like you could put yeah, basically. spock's brain at brother date or whatever you i mean maybe i don't know what that apostrophe will do so <laughs> break the whole internet even channel 90 you know be careful uh that's it right that's everything that is it thank you very much bye but there's not a scene later. He doesn't say it in the game. He doesn't. Where there's an old woman on a gurney. <laughs> Doctor gave me a pill and a new kidney. Grew a new kidney. Doctor gave me a pill. I grew a new kidney. Movie's so good. That's such a good goddamn movie. Please subscribe.